Some people podcast through life making friends wherever they go, while others just podcast through life. Wow. Which one's that from? That's from Go West. That's the, that's the opening title card of Go okay. West. Great. I find that this is the most successful pathway is to use these Take opening. These nice, these nice opening title cards yes. that are flowery. Yes. In, uh, right. in their Because so often, otherwise, the title cards are just like, what? So someone had to sit there and paint like what, right? Yeah. Like, because that's what you had to do. You had to yeah. like, paint it. Yeah. I don't know. That's the thing I love in Babylon, that you see her. Anime Wong. Yeah. yeah. She, is she called Anime Wong in the movie? No, I forgot, not. right. But, you know, no. she's Anime Wong, right? I was talking to someone who read an early draft of that script where all of the characters were just the people. But that's what you, isn't that also just a thing that you do that you just like, I'll just use the names of the people I mean and right. I'll replace and I'll, it later. I'll come up with a fake name later. I'll just call yeah. my ex-girlfriend my ex-girlfriend's name. Right. And then it's like, oh shit, I forgot to change it. This is why I'm a bad screenwriter is I'm like, open up new document, page one. This is based on this. Mm-hmm. And then I sit there for three days trying to pick the right fake name and I go, let me put this one on the back burner for a little while. Mm-hmm. Whereas those people just like, they fucking type in Anime Wong, write it down, and then later to come up with fake names. Because, um, you know, uh, what? we'll remember when we did our All That Jazz episode. I do when remember. Manuel yes. Miranda, yes. our fancy guest, revealed yes. that the original script for that movie used everyone's real name. Hal Prince and such. Hal Prince and yes. such. Yes. Yes. No, that's how you do it. And the many women he wronged. That's how you make a masterpiece. Not, not wronging women. No. But using the real names of those women in the screenplay and then changing them lightly. <laughs> By the time the cameras roll. But also casting the women as themselves. <laughs> yeah, well, that right. He didn't give a fuck, right? What a complicated just, guy. Yeah, yeah. He was a complicated guy. Remember when we talked about Did him? Did we do okay on him? I think so. I don't okay. know. Who, Who knows? knows? I don't fucking know. Are we doing okay on this guy? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. All right, great. We're skipping one ahead in the record order versus release order. But that's fine. I kind of oh, like fine. this. That we're still in the... Interesting one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, the, but it's like, yeah. d- are we doing it well? I don't know. Maybe we fucking biffed the last episode. Yeah, it hasn't no, happened yet. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's the energy to put out in the world. Hi. Hi. Come on, introduce us. To, our, our guests can talk to you. Yeah. Please. You know, I, I apologize if the last episode was totally biffed. Yeah. Guests can speak I've got a good moment. feeling. I Great. think it'll be, it'll turn out fine. I think it's about the last good. episode. About the last episode. Right. Yes. This one, I, I'm not feeling very Ooh. good. Well, no, I think it's going to work. James Urbaniak, you know James Urbaniak? Yeah. He'll have done the previous episode. Okay, so actually this is, this episode's going to be a steep drop off. Nope. For, for the listeners. <clears throat> no. Climbing ever higher. No. Have you ever been called? Like, I I have received that note when I've turned in scripts where I've like neglected to. They're like, they're like, at one point, at three points in the script, you refer to a character as Steven. Mm. (laughs) You're like, oh, uh, no, actually, his, you know, his name is uh, Steve O or like whatever. Sure. Whatever light change that I made. Sorry, I forgot to totally work through that. The control F missed that one. Yeah. Yeah. I had a huge issue with that last year because I. I, my keyboard was broken and uh-huh. my find and re- like my R key wasn't working. Yeah. So the find and replace, it was just like not happening. I was doing it manually and um, a lot of stuff slipped through. Yeah. You know what I find funny uh, is like at times when I have auditioned for things and it's like a top secret project mm-hmm. and they try to do that, like find <laughs> and replace and change all the names and whatever and the specifics. Right. And, like, sometimes one will slip through, but also just the replacement words are terrible and transparent. I love those. My friend was auditioning for something that I, where we were like, it's Star Wars, right? And then it was like there was some 
something was missed. I forget what it was. Or yes. there was like a word replacement for lightsaber that was just very weak. <laughs> yes. And we're like, okay, it's it's Star Wars. That's cool. Okay, so I, I think I can tell that. Whatever. They didn't hire me. Uh, I had the opposite experience of this recently. Whoa. Where my agent sent me a thing that they were like, untitled Lucasfilm animated project. Ooh. Right? Sure. That's and they were like plot details are under wraps, but I think it's safe to assume this might take place in a long time ago on a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> so then I read the sides, and the sides had Star Wars specifics in them. Oh, sure. Right? It, it, it like, said like holocron and credits. It's like Darth Vader stands over the corpse of Luke Skywalker. Well, like, it was like characters I didn't recognize, sure, but right, they kept right, on right. saying but it's, like, right, they're saying Jedi, right, yeah. lightsaber, whatever. Babu Frigg, right? Babu Frigg. They keep right. saying Babu, Babu Frigg. biopic. Oh, but that would be It nice. was like Star Wars, like verbs and so nouns like without proper collar. names and whatever. Mm -hmm. And it looked mm -hmm. like a Coruscant was, was cited, yeah, right. right? And I was like, they're acting like this is top secret, but Coruscant on like, has not been replaced wink. in it. Right. And then I'm reading through the pages and it's like, this tonally feels odd for Star Wars. It's like very jokey and sort of conversational and feels weirdly modern. And they're like at a college. What? And okay. he's like talking about trying to like find artifacts. And I was like, motherfucker, it's, this it's, is an Indiana Jones, Jones thing. That's that diabolical. pretending is a Star Wars thing. <laughs> Wait, that's actually kind of clever. Isn't that insane? I think the sick. show has since been canceled, which Good. is the only reason I feel comfortable Great. saying this. I'm also, they, they didn't hire me. Right. That I'm glad they didn't do that. Diabolical. But it seemed like it was like a, a, an Indiana Jones cartoon show where it was like, I remember watching him in the old adventure holograms. I right. think if I was microdosing just the right amount, I could do that to a script. But it has yes. to be hard to be like, just make all the Indiana Jones slip things. Slip it Star into Wars. another. Yes. Right. Yeah. It was it was so funny. Isn't yeah. that also just a sign of like IP creep kind <laughs> Disney of. or whatever? Like, <laughs> right. Uh, I like just, to think of that as a guy. Right, the IP just, creep. The IP creep. He's yeah. there. He can shift everything one universe over. Hey, somebody say my name. <laughs> the IP creep. That was the voice I did for the audition, by the way. Oh, Listen. Yeah. This is Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Thank Griffin. You. I'm David. What'd you say, Blank? No, I said I'm David. No, but before that. Can't remember. It sounded like you just oh, said. I, I think I said thank you. Oh. For finally doing the intro. And I'll say blank you. Mm -hmm. This is a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers, are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes those checks clear. Sometimes they bounce. Baby, this is this guy we're talking about. Buster Keaton. We're doing a main series on the films of Buster Keaton. It's called Podcast Junior. This is a true blank check career. This was a 10-film run where he just had a guy independently go, here's your money, make your movie. Right. Do another one. This one's a Western? Cool. Yeah. Sure. Right. Only rule, almost kill yourself. Yes. Right. Every time. <laughs> Only rule, yes. mortal danger. Yes. <laughs> yes. Although, the two we're talking about today are an interesting pairing because one of them is just him being like, I feel like doing this. And the other one was the one time where the guy threw something at him and said, you have to make this. Interesting. Yes. Which is which? Seven Chances. Seven Chances is like he's being forced into a and is scenario. A he movie like. he basically took over. It was the one time really? that Shank was like, this is what you're doing. Gank. Skank. I'm trying Nick to. I did, Dana Stevens was, was correcting me on it. I know. I'm trying to retain. Roscoe. Skank. Right. We have to get the Danas right. Yeah. The Danaisms. Shank. David <laughs> Skank? Skank? Shink? Uh, Joe, jo, sorry. Joe Skank. Joe Skank. Yeah, just say Skank, honestly. Skank. Right. Skank. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Makes me feel better. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, our guest today, return to the show. From She's here. 
The Bechdel cast. Yes. Uh, uh, recently, frequently from You're Wrong About, mm -hmm. uh, and your new book. Yeah. Raw Dog. Raw Dog, a book about hot dogs. Mm -hmm. uh, Jamie Loftus is here. Jamie, I've already said, I've shared this anecdote on a different episode, but Ben and I went to go see a screening. Producer Ben and I went to go see a screening of Sherlock Jr. was playing Ooh. the other day at the Paris Theater right off of Central Park. Oh. And w going to the screening, I was listening to your Doughboys episode. <sighs> and then afterwards, Ben was like, do you want to get food? And I was like, all I want to eat now is a hot dog. Did you get one? We got fucking Nathan's cart dogs and we walked oh around Central Park God. and it was lovely. And That's it felt like so such a perfect romantic. seeing a this silent picture. I love yeah. that. Eating a Nathan's. What'd you put on it? Just mustard. Just mustard. Just mustard. And the guy had it like panached oh. at his service. Yes. Wait, what do you mean? He kind of was like old timey about it a little bit. Yeah. You know, he like flipped the bun around really specifically. He, was, he had a whole, oh, he he had sprayed a whole thing the going mustard well, yes. Is he like, I know where the Paris is. He's, so he's like right in the corner of Central Park. Maybe yes. he's like, all right, or what's, I'm getting a touristy the, um, crowd. I got to put on there's some the, show. The hmm? statue. Yeah. That's that little square in front block of right the next to Central famous Park. hotel. Right, right. Across the from the app, that corner the between the, the plaza. Store. You know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about. Right. I do. He was there. I have, I have written many a review there. Yes, he was there. That's where he was. That's, That's that, you guys was. went on a date 99 years ago. I know. That's so sweet. It was very old time. I love that. It was an old timey courtship. We held hands. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Any yeah. jacket uh, exchanges? No, I, I I made Ben carry my books. <laughs> okay, okay. Gave him a pin. Yeah, I gave him a pin. <laughs> when did that stop? The pins. So the 60s, I want to bring that it back. Stops? Yeah, can we bring that yeah. back? Hey, if you go to Disney World, it never stopped. Wow. Pin trading is a whole fucking. I have no idea what that was. <laughs> okay. to, and I'm happy I don't. Know. Really? Uh, I don't know anything about that. It's a whole okay. subculture. I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not okay. saying that defensively. It's Sorry. a whole subculture. No, that wasn't defensive what is, at all. Yeah, it wasn't defensive at all. I definitely yeah. didn't put my hands up like <laughs> yeah. I was being arrested. What? What is it? What? What is it? They just fucking know. love pins there. But like, do you wear many pins? Yes, Where do you and get people the pins? trade them. Okay. Yes. Okay. They sell they sell the pins there at various places, but there's also this thing where but are like, there like special pins that are absolutely limited? all okay. time limited things. There's so too many side tangents. They made no merchandise whatsoever of my character in Disenchanted. I'm sorry. What? Insulting. I play a fucking cartoon chipmunk who yeah, turns well, into a cat. Yeah, that's but you, peak pin. Yes. Yeah. You that's begging for a pin. wished on some wishing stone when yes. you were 10 to Curse. have merch made of you. Right. And then now every time you're in a thing that seems merchandisable, I know. they're like, we'll make merch of everything but Griffin. Played a fucking superhero and a talking cat and I got nothing. You're but not... Cats. Yeah, you're not going to get a surer thing than the Disenchanted. No, done. What, what the fuck happened? But so I was like, I guess I got to fucking buy all the merch from the first movie that the character existed in when I didn't play him, right? Unbelievable. The best pin of my character on eBay, $900. Wow. You got priced out? Priced out. Fucking boxed out. And this is when I was looking, like, two years when I started, when I got the part before the movie had mm -hmm. been announced, maybe, or... You know, it wasn't like, oh, there's a bump. Oh, wow, here it is. Nine, wow. And it really is just... It's just a little A pin? chipmunk. Can you pay in four? Chipmunk. Yeah, yeah, maybe just split that up. Just pay in four. Well, maybe so <laughs> get a new credit card. <laughs> yeah. This is the thing. This is the thing, David. I'm drowning in pin payments. What? What's up? Most of the stores that sell pins at Disney World, if you're like, let me see your pin board. The guy who works behind the counter, the guy or gal who works behind the counter, yeah. takes out a board and it's a bunch of pins. It's almost like a take a penny, leave a penny. Right. 
and you can like give them a pin and take one off oh, the board. Interesting. Yeah. So, so there's this whole secret underground. So the next time you go to Disney, you're just gonna be doing that. You're right. just gonna be. Yeah. This is the only one. Yeah. Because there's a bunch of. Oh well, wait. This one's only a hundred dollars. Which one? Let me see if I have it. <laughs> yeah, I have that in the boat. Yeah, I have that. Oh. Right, he's got yeah. that one. Right. I, I didn't pay a hundred. I waited for a good deal. Okay, yeah. I'm glad for you. Listen, we're talking about Buster Keaton, of course. I bet there's pins of him. Yeah. Yeah. Although I was doing some research, he never got enough merchandise in his day. I feel like he mostly, I mean, he was like a big deal in cartoons later on. Yes. And there's like uh, free and easy, or, is it, or maybe it's in Spite Marriage. We'll rewatch Spite Marriage for this. But there, there is a bit with him with a doll of himself. Mm. Oh, sure. But I don't know if it was ever mass produced. That's what I've been trying to find out. Um, I love that he's just, I, I feel like we need more huge movie stars who basically just look really tired. I think that's so nice. It Thank is the you. magic. Yeah. Yes. Yes, uh, he does look tired. I would love a Buster action figure. He is athletic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you could have one where like, he could have a mustache or a magnifying glass. Sure. You want to dress him up. Exactly. You could yeah. have various. Dress him up and move him around. Jamie, what's your relationship to Buster Keaton? We sort of, when we decided we were doing this, we went through our favorite guests from the past and just started knocking on doors and going like, do you like Buster Keaton by any chance? Mm-hmm. Trying to identify the people who we're already friends with who, who have some appreciation for his work. And yeah. you bumped up to the top of the list very quickly. I like Buster Keaton a lot. I don't think I've, I haven't seen all of his work, but I watched it when I was a kid and I liked it. And then I like... I had to watch it in film school, but I really got into it like five years ago. Okay. Um, when I was like starting to put together more physical comedy shows myself, I'm like, well, seems like a good person to watch. Yeah. And um, what I like about Buster Keaton is that he didn't famously like molest teenagers, which you can't say of all stars of that unbelievable era. quality. Yeah. Okay. Which and, and 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 I would say maybe a little rare at right. this time. And so I, I really liked, I thought his like personal history was really interesting and yeah. he's just like really fucking good. I had not, I had not seen either of the movies for yeah. today, um, but I'd seen the big ones. I'd seen the sure. general, I'd seen Sherlock Jr. Um, yeah, I'm a fan. He puts me in a good mood. Go, Go West is kind of slept on and then Seven Chances is so famous for the end section, but I think otherwise... I think it's a movie that more often, like, bits of it get repurposed in montages where people just watch The Chase or whatever. The, the Chase whole, is great. I mean, The Chase is incredible. Both of these movies weirdly end <laughs> with a stampede uh, of some sort, whether yes. it be aggrieved women or cattle. Yes. Right. Which, right. in 1925, were the same thing. Right. The, the man loved being chased. Yes. He did love it. And there's just, what, what a spectacle. Because Cops has, yes. uh, you know... A stampede of cops. He loves right. stampedes, mm-hmm. I feel like. That thing where the amount of of creatures chasing him becomes so large That's it's almost thing. abstract. It's not a few. Right. It's a like it's a so much. Much. <laughs> You're right. You're right. You, know? you can't count. You can't count it. Yes. Yes. But he's also, he is such a good on screen runner. Yes. Mm. I loved in was it Go West? Yeah, it is with with the cops when the yes. cops are running, where he like 
I don't know. I mean, like his timing is incredible, obviously, but like he falls behind and then he surges ahead and then yes. he falls behind again. And you're like, that was all planned. How did you pull that off? It's incredible. His control is insane. He does everything while making it look like he's putting in a minimum amount of effort and he's mm -hmm. unaware. And also his shooting style is so unfussy. And especially when it comes to these big chase scenes, it really is impressive how much he just like holds the camera way back, doesn't right. cut watches you and he's just this little this little ant going right yeah i mean seven chances is uh all that well we'll talk about um you know he does little leaps he does the tree the he does a lot of cool things blow my fucking because it looks like you're watching like a super mario speed run. yes that's yes. what it looks like where you're like someone has just practiced the timing of this so perfectly that he just right. knows exactly when to jump and how to land without missing a beat he's not dynamic in this sort of Tom Cruise way of like, oh, there are like pistons pumping inside right. this man. He's like a little cartoon thing that's going. Yes. That's like been wound up. It's a little can, sprite. Yeah. 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 He's, he, you're right. He is good. Now, like by and like, like his story for 1920s Hollywood is surprisingly. Well, that's Jamie's point. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. I was leaping back to right, Jamie's point. You yes. talk about most people from this time, you gotta separate the art from the artist. Yeah, I like that you can go like, I'm a fan of his work and his personal and life. he seems like a good guy. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think he was horny uh, in a regular way. And yeah. he divorced. He had a couple wives. And he had, right, affairs perhaps. But like. He had he a just, drinking problem, but it was. Well, it, sure. It, 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 I think he was more like, the guy was a little haunted. Little yeah. haunted. Obviously, he was a vaudeville child, which is its own, right. like, you know, bizarre. I mean, but, but like, no accounts of him fucking perpetuating cycles of abuse on other people. And also, just, like, none yeah. of that sort also of, like, oh, and him. sure, he ran over several people in his jalopy, but, you know, and then <laughs> some, like, knuckle-dusted guy, right. right, would be like, hey, nobody hears about this, okay? You know, or whatever. Right. Well, right. It's like, a hundred years ago, it's not like I think there's suddenly gonna be a fucking Sharon Waxman expose. We finally right. got a but Like, if, if there was stuff that was horrible about him, it would have come out in the wash by now. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, lovely tired man, Buster Keaton. Mr. Um, sleepy himself. I no, he is so sleepy. Here's, here's something I want to throw out. We announced the miniseries. At the time we announced it, we had recorded the first couple episodes. A, a comment I saw a lot on Twitter and, and the like. Twitter, are you aware a these great normal are silent? Right. Yeah, which I, really, I will say was a shock to me. I had not noticed until people pointed it out. Right. Uh, yeah. No, a question that was thrown out a lot was, are you guys going to talk about how hot Buster is? I think oh. we already did. But I think we need to talk about it more because okay. clearly Wait, there's oh, demand. I'm so glad I'm here. I felt like you were possibly the right guest to get into this, this conversation. I would love to talk about this. Yes. yes. Right. Well, I guess I would be first curious of like, what do you feel is hot about Buster Keaton? I will say this. Uh, when I look at him, I'm like, I wish that's exactly how I look. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm, Where it's sure. like, if I look at someone like Chris Evans, I'm just like, well, that's, he's a different species than I am. There's no world in which I think I possibly look Star at him. Star Ghosted? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that movie exists? I, look, my, I swear to God, my, I walked exists. into the room and my wife was watching it. And, and I was filed for almost scandalous. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. And she's like, I don't know. It, it came on. We like, built a life together. <laughs> it's impossible for Ghosted to come on. You yeah. have to choose it. In our marital bed, you're watching Ghosted? <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, walked in and she was like, it's pretty bad. And I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it had that vibe. And Ryan Reynolds... 
I don't know if you know this, appears in the film in a sort of a cameo role. I, I, he he's kind of talks a lot. Like, he ah, never talks does real this. fast. He right. never does this. Is he drinking some of his own alcohol by any chance? <laughs> I, I, he may be, honestly. Like, <laughs> this, this fucking infuriating thing where every A-list star needs to make five cameos in the other A-list stars' movies and right. vice versa. But it's like the same 10 Exactly. Guys, to be like, well, like, we're all friends. Right. And then just like, I wasn't worried about you not being friends. She, right. she was like, I'm like, oh God, Ryan Randall, he has like an eye patch and he's going yeah. like, Ugh! and like, no. and she's like, yeah, you know, Anthony Mackie already showed up and Sebastian Stan. And I was just like, what are we doing? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. That's uh, and then she, it just kept running. And then Apple played all of Tetris. Like, and none, neither of us watched that. Yeah. Apple is truly trying to be like, these movies are in households. Right the the, uh, the Russo had no direct involvement in Ghosted, right? I don't think so. But, but it, it feels, feels like, like everyone is blaming them for yeah, it. Everyone's just sort of mad at them. Like, you like, did this. This is your fault one way or another. They helped create the problem that led to Ghosted. Yes. No, but yes. The, the thing about Ghosted is it's directed by Dexter Fletcher. And Insane. I enjoyed uh, He's Rocket a solid Man. filmmaker. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, I got no beef with him. What? The director of Rocket Man? Yeah. And, and honestly, I like Chris Evans and Anna Darma. Yeah. They're fine. Am I going to watch Ghosted? Yeah, I think we should, should we throw it, like, it on? Like, it has, <laughs> like, should we turn this into a Ghosted episode? <laughs> ghosted live watch? Yeah. Isn't like Tim Blake Nelson in it too? He's like, it the has villain, some I think. Yeah. Of course, but this is the whole thing. It's like there's some sort of like, you know, atmosphere of this yeah. movie cannot exist that just once they roll the cameras like every the charisma has to be sucked out of the room with like a vacuum but your thing of like why why can no one make a comedy without guns in it when that yes, trailer came that. out i was like i'm kind of into this so the premise of the movie is just they go on a date she doesn't respond right chris evans freaks out trying to find her right right and it's like okay he so got it's, ghosted. it's just he's flying across the world trying to find the woman who ghosted him and then it's like minute one, second 20 of trailer is, right. turns out she's a spy. Right. And that's why she ghosted him because she was undercover and now he's roped into her mission. But that's two movies. Two different <laughs> movies. And I couldn't give less of a shit about the second one. My point is Buster, Buster I, so part of this, I, what I was trying to say here is like a projection thing where I'm like, mm -hmm. Buster feels like the glow-up version of how I wish I looked within the realm of who I am. Mm -hmm. You know? I get that. Where I'm like, weak, weak little skinny sad boy. <laughs> I with, don't... With yes. beautiful depth in his eyes. That's mm -hmm. what I... It's all the bag. As, as, yes. a, as, an, as a man with yeah. heavy bags himself, yes. I have heavy eye bags. Hey, same here. Um, I, yes, the, the sort of like the, the haunted eyes... Uh, is what does it for me the most. Yeah. But then there's also just kind of something saucy about him, like very secretly. And like his movies are, you know, I don't know. His movies are cute. And he's always... They, a, they're flirty. He's like, always romantically. There's exactly. always a, there's a always a lady. the central of the film. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of, you know, he's kind of got something there. I saw yeah. uh, uh, Brendan Hines, friend of the show, past and future guest. He and I went this weekend to... They've been doing Harold Lloyd movies at Film Forum. Yeah, here sure. in New York City, um, Harold Lloyd was like an absurdly conventionally handsome man. He was like the Chris Evans star of Ghosted of his day. Right. And it, it's a thing that's discussed where it's like he came up with like he found dumb glasses and like right. would make sillier faces to try to make himself look less handsome. And Charlie Chaplin, the same fucking deal where he was like a pretty conventionally handsome guy and then was like, could put on a little mustache and like wear shittier clothes and whatever. Mm -hmm. There's something interesting to the fact that Buster 
doesn't do anything to make himself look less attractive, but through sheer performance is able to sell that he is low status underdog in his movies. Whereas those other guys had this arrogance of like, no one would buy me as the <laughs> right. butt of a joke. Right. I have to make myself look more like the common man. What do you think? The Jerry fool. There's something Buster. insecure about it. Oh, the lady. Right. I right. mean, Buster, yeah, I, I I, want to be Buster and be with Buster. Yes. Hey. There's a little bit of both, and I feel like that is part of his appeal because I genuinely wish I could do so much of what he can do, oh, and man. it's just like I would break. Most people would break yes. and die. Yes, yes. Um, but also, I don't know. Which I, he did both. Let's acknowledge. Which he did both break and eventually he broke and eventually. He died. like didn't he like yeah. break his neck at some point in, and then they in told Sherlock him years later. Okay. Yes. yes. He didn't realize it. God. He gets up and finishes the take and then finish the movie. That's like I, I it, like how Michelle Yeoh broke her back during Crouching yes. Tiger, Hidden Dragon and just never knew. Yes. I was like how could you I don't know. It's wild shit. It's wild shit. But yeah, but then I feel like Buster's really good at like the the balance that he's striking as a romantic lead where it's like he's a plausible romantic lead, yes. but he's not. It doesn't feel like in the way that when some comic actors are a romantic lead, it's in this weird self-conscious way. Mm -hmm. But it just feels like very natural the way he does it. I really liked that in Seven Chances, the kiss is bad. Yes. Um, yes. And like he just, I don't know, it, it doesn't feel self-conscious in the way that he needs to like prove he's the uh, – "Quote unquote appropriate amount of hot to be a romantic lead, like it just works. I you think, totally get why women want to be with him, and, and you thing. totally get why they don't. He's, right. got, he's yes. very good at it's seven chances. Of course, has to navigate that perfectly. Right. Yes. right. He's got a weird confidence, though. That I think yeah. that's a key. I, outside, of, I think he's got like a just kind of a beautiful face, right? Oh, it is a very special face. He yes. is very pretty. Right. He's just he's got very pretty. A beautiful I love a long head. Yes. Yeah. He's got a he's yes. got a long flat head. A yeah. Big long head. Yeah. What was there's a term JJ pulled up in the research in some Buster quote where he was describing his stone face and one of the terms he used was a flat pan <laughs> to oh, describe his yeah, own yeah, yeah. face. Right. He said, you know, Sexy. my my mug, my flat pan. I would make out with him. You would? I would, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. But I'm just... But it's hard. This is the thing. I, 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 I think I'd think... be nervous to have sex with him because I think there would be hijinks and I'd have to be involved. Like it would have sure. to go wrong in some very elaborate, well done It wouldn't way. go right. I right, can guarantee exactly. you that. But this is this is another thing. I think it's hard to imagine him having sex in a way it that's is. kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Where yes. even you talk about making out with him, you're like, there's something oddly chaste about him. There's this yeah. quiet confidence to him that extends to the fact that like, he's not needing to put on something of like, well, I'm going to play dorkier than I am. He yeah. just kind of feels like he is. He's unreadable. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's just sort of this like stillness and this peace to him. He has this like, which makes sense because he's a vaudeville kid, but you're just like, he has this like homeschooled energy about him. Right. Where oh. when I've noticed, yes, when people are homeschooled and hot, they know it, but in this way that is a little weird. Yes. <laughs> they can't quite interact with you like a hot person who went to public school. I don't know what I mean by that. And Jamie, I feel like people are going to yell at me. No, it but I completely understand true. what you mean. I feel yes, like you have a specific sense. example in your head that you yeah. are thinking of that we don't know about. Yes. Obviously. A name you changed in the screenplay. <laughs> right. Yes. But right. I also just like, yeah, there's a difference between like knowing how to get, you know, at school, you got to be flirty. You got to be, you know, sure. you're, you're in this social scene, right? Yes. You know, and uh, being homeschooled and like having to turn it on. Jamie, we we will have talked about this in in the first episode and sort of setting context of his career. 
but he was the first kid of like really middling vaudeville entertainers, right? Mm. Who start working him into the act and he immediately is the star of the act and basically makes his father career. His father has a career finally because of Buster blowing well, I'm sure up this that act. ends well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And they have two other children and those two children get to go to like nice private schools and have like fancy toys and stuff. And Buster is like the breadwinner for the family who went to school one day in his entire life. No. And he wasn't even like homeschooled really. He was just in a world with adults mm-hmm. learning like human behavior. Getting, I, I listened to an interview with Dana yesterday and yes. about like him getting tossed into the crowd with like mm-hmm. the handle on his jacket. It's nuts. Nuts. Nuts stuff. But like, yeah, yeah, it was just this thing of him like day in, day out being like, oh, if I do this here, it gets more of a laugh than if I wait here and I do it then. Yeah. That's and it's like the weirdest homeschool possible. Exactly. Is how do I get it thrown is. correctly by Right. My how parents. do I be the human mop for, you know, in a way that will make my family money? Right. But he has this like high level intelligence for like things that other people don't think about mm-hmm. that is in his being. Right. And by the time he's making movies and like, you know, he's 27 in these two films. Which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. I was like, wow, why can't 27-year-olds look that tired anymore? Yes, I know. The tired thing, and that is also ultimately, it's just very sexy to be tired. I And I would like for people to really, look, that's got to catch on. big for me. I think you're you're talking to, you're preaching the choir. This is a room <laughs> of people who try to own looking tired all the time <laughs> all I can because do. we've learned that you cannot, uh, you can't fight it. No, can't untired no. myself. You're just going to get sleepier. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love to be sleepy. Uh, and so maybe that's why, yeah, maybe I sort of prefer Buster to these other guys because he's haunted. Yeah. In a way that feels like he's not trying to win my affection. But I and also thus he gets even more of it. Ben and I were having this conversation after we saw Sherlock Jr. While you were eating your freaking hot dogs. Eating our frankfurters. Yeah. And Ben was no just ketchup. like. No. Interesting. Interesting. I would have done ketchup and mustard personally. I don't know. Yeah, I think we're yeah. similar, right? I, I mix it up. I don't have I I I go with the mood at the moment. Sure. Mm. I'm I'm verse when it comes to dogs. Mm. <laughs> I'm pretty verse. Were they were they water dogs or grill dogs? If it's Nathan's, I would think they'd be I on think a they're grill. Grill yeah. dogs. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's why you go to the Nathan's cart as opposed to the I, mean, I don't mind a water dog. I like a water dog. I don't either, but that was not the choice we made no. on that day. No. No, but given the choice, I'm going grill. Yes. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Um but Ben, we were eating our Frankfurters and Ben was just going like, What's his deal? <laughs> yeah, I guess I kind of was right? like that. You sure. were like, can you look explain to me like what is Buster Keaton's thing? And in a way where you were like, I've been watching these movies, I'm getting into them. I think he's really funny, but like what is this comedic persona? I can't explain it. Mm. Yeah, it's not really clearly definable, though it is at the same time. Right. But it, it just feels like an amalgamation of a lot of stuff. Right. But part of it is like, here's this guy who's like constantly like under the boot of society. Right. Who also always seems like he's maybe halfway towards falling asleep. Right. In like very high stakes, very high danger situations that he somehow always comes out of perfectly. He Mr. Magoo's his way out of everything. Yeah. Yeah. See, but I like do... can't react to it in this cool way. I don't that's, know. No, that's what's that. You're right. He yeah. never he never celebrates the triumphs either. He's no. just like. Okay. He just keeps walking. Yes. <laughs> I love him so much. Oh, man. I'm just, the more we talk about him, the more I love him. Like, I agree. Because there's like a million, you know, like 
people who try to train, but it's like the only way you can be this kind of person is to be thrown around by your Truly. father a hundred years ago. Like yes. it just can't really happen <laughs> no, anymore. No, that's the thing. Dressed as a like a Irish person. Oh yes, stereotype. have you seen Buster Keaton dressed as an the, Irish person? I saw the picture yes. of him as a kid, with, like as a little old man. The little yes. yeah. That yeah. is an, that, apparently an, an Irish, Irish stereotype. That was a stereotype. Jamie, of an Irish. That person. was my reaction oh. too. I was like, I don't get why this is an Irishman. <laughs> yeah, but it is. You guys have seen this already obviously Can so someone's gonna photoshop that picture with the irishman and martin scorsese they picture, should do that right? yeah. they should photoshop you into it yeah uh maybe i'll photoshop my daughter into it i mean like yeah. there's just a lot to be done with it yeah that's a great uh that's a great halloween costume that's for your daughter david that's what your daughter that's what she, you, wait, you guys don't understand next year she's an irishman yes. they're like what are you talking about it's actually really offensive right, <laughs> right. this would be very offensive in the 1900s little poster <laughs> Little like Buster, little but that's that's the other part of it is just like the fact that he doesn't feel the need to show off, right? Yeah, that it feels like he's constantly like trying to be modest in his work, and even the way he frames his stunts are so unshow off. He like as a director, and he doesn't have that satisfaction of the moment of like I killed that, you know? Right. He never has that look to the audience where he's like, look at me. He's kind of high status, low status. Simultaneously. He switches between both of them like right. seamlessly. It's in really wild. I feel like that happens a lot in Seven Chances. Seven Chances, right. It's yeah, very heavy he's on like that. back and forth every two seconds, but it always makes sense. I don't know. It See, does. Yeah, no, you're right. I think Seven Chances is amazing. I, I like See, it much. Okay, better. so what's that, interesting? I know he doesn't like he it, and we'll it. talk about this. Yes, he was very down on Seven Chances. He was like, it's personal. my first bad picture. Uh, where it was Neville he was is, a stinker he is wrong yeah. um, but I, I of the ones like we've watched so far for the pod so yes. we've only watched four mains so far for the pod sure. he's my favorite really of the four we've watched so far okay yes uh, well Sherlock Jr. will have been the episode it's, it's this, not counting is, right. things like that undeniable right. um, it is a bit undeniable wait, wait let's talk about seven chances a little bit yes okay Buster Keaton um, he signed a contract and he delivered four movies uh, you know, um, the first four movies, uh, Three Ages, Our Hospitality, yeah. uh, but then Sherlock, Sherlock Jr. and especially The Navigator are the fucking Navigator. humongous. Right. Navigator big blows up. Re that was bigger yeah. than Sherlock Jr.? I believe that was his biggest mm -hmm. film. Wow. Yeah, at least at the time. Yeah. And so he signs another deal to do six more movies. He's mm -hmm. going to make 27 grand per movie, mm -hmm. which is about $1,000 a week. Yeah. Okay, that sounds good. Nice work if you can get it. Yeah. Um, and uh, that keeps... And he's making like two pictures a year, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that basically keeps him independent all the way through like Steamboat yes. Bill Jr. Mm -hmm. um, and Joe Skank, as you mentioned, Griff, mostly had left him alone. But Seven Chances is the one, he, the only one he forces on him. Yeah, this is the thing, Griff. Sherlock Jr. had actually somewhat disappointed. And the Navigator does do well, but it costs a lot of money. So there was some anxiety over that. Sure. So maybe, maybe that's we need why, to rein him in a little bit. Right. Maybe that's why this is the moment where Joe Skink has a little, that's his producer, has a little yeah. um, leverage on him. I do also think there's this point where you look at a lot of like comedy A-listers, right? They start out their career where it's like you find the right collaborators, you're generating your own material, here are the characters you've been dying to do. And then a lot of these guys at a certain point when they get really big throttle into a point where they're like, I don't know. Could I do like a modern version of this? What's like a hit that I can adapt? What's a thing I can option? Right. You know, you start slotting yourself in where Sandler's like, let me just like remake Mr. Deeds. 
<laughs> or let me find like a spec script that's uh, floating around, have my guys rewrite it to fit my personality more. Yeah, but in, if you're Eddie Murphy, why not just remake Dr. Doolittle? Right. Why right. not? And I liked it better. Yeah. The way oh, he did it. It is better. It is better. Wait, is that indisputable that Eddie Murphy's Dr. Doolittle is better than Rex I think Harrison's it almost Dr. Doolittle, right? Because Rex Harrison's one is bad. Bad. It's bad and long. It's, it's long. So it's fucking, boring. It's the longest movie ever made. Right. <laughs> and the, yeah. obviously Robert Downey Jr. came for the throne and missed. So <laughs> yeah. that's oh, resolved. I loved watching him try to come for the throne, oh though. God. It was thrilling. I've seen that movie twice. I was telling Absolutely David, I, I'd been on a bit of an Eddie kick, and I, I rewatched Dr. Doolittle 1, and I was like, God, it's such a like slam dunk premise to just be like, his name's Doolittle and he talks to animals. Why has no one tried to do this since Eddie Murphy? And then I remembered, oh, the biggest movie star tried to do it two years ago. It was the most colossal atomic disaster. Oh, it looked like shit and it felt like shit to yeah. watch. But that's the thing with the it Eddie Murphy movie. It did feel like shit to watch. It felt like <laughs> Correct. shit to watch. The Eddie Murphy movie is pretty good. Norm is the dog. Yes. Chris Rock is the hamster. It's a guinea, guinea pig. pig. Yeah. It's the length of a Buster Keaton feature. It is truly like 65 minutes long before <laughs> credits. You don't need much more. It basically has yeah. no plot. And it's like, all you need from this movie is just he talks to animals. Mm -hmm. The animals talk to him. They have funny voices. Get ringers in. He's a, fucking Ellen DeGeneres and Albert Brooks and whoever. He is a doctor, though. Yeah, of course. Well, like, he's like a real, he's like a doctor with the stethoscope. Yes. Yes. Whereas I feel like classically Dr. Doolittle is more of a PhD doctor, the, right? The plot of that more film. More of a call me doctor. And you're like, yeah, okay, Dr. Doolittle. Insofar as there is a plot, the plot of that film is that he has a private practice with. Uh, I want to say Oliver Platt. And. Richard Schiff. Yes. I've seen this movie a lot. And Peter Boyle is thinking about acquiring them. He's going to buy them. There's like a business plot. Right. And he talked to animals as a kid. His dad, Ozzie Davis, thought he was insane. Brought him to a therapist who, like, I don't know, hypnotized him, him worry trained him out of it. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah And yeah. then he gets into a car crash, and suddenly the voices come back to him. And Oliver Platt and Richard Schiffer are like, keep it together for five more days. And he's like, I gotta do brain surgery on this tiger. And that's the entire <laughs> plot of the movie. Is just he wants to perform wow. surgery on this tiger and they want him to not embarrass him. Who plays the tiger? Albert Brooks. I, I'm a tiger. Um, I, don't think I need I knew, brain surgery. I don't think I knew who all the famous people in that movie were the last time I saw this movie. I got to go back. I, mean, I'm, I feel the same. Every feel like, it's like just wall-to-wall -wall stunt casting. I feel like, the, well, which is yeah. necessary. I think Gary I mean, Shandling's a pigeon. It's like fucking everyone. John Leguizamo's a rat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then I remember because the daughters were Raven and yes. then yes. the girl who played Penny Proud on The Proud Family. Kyla Pratt. Kyla Pratt. Yes. Um, that was what was interesting to me at the time. And also just famous guy talking to animals. It works. And there yeah. was like a t moment there where it was like dads getting into accidents was a pretty normal part of movies because I was yes. thinking of Jack yeah. Frost as well. Uh -huh. Well, where it's yeah. just like Michael Keaton dies in a car accident. He does die, but it's okay uh, but because like, he gets turned into a snowman that looks like George Clooney. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Everything works out fine. I love that. Yeah. Um, but yes, do we love that? Is that is that movie depressing? I've not that movie's seen it. Depressing. Right. That movie's it's depressing. It, that movie's Paul depressing. Tompkins is in the beginning of the movie. That's true. Is he? It was, who does he play? Yeah. It was directed by Jimmy okay. Miller who did a lot of Mr. Show. Yes. I asked him about it once and he... I'll send it to you. He, I, I asked for a full. He gave me so much information. Please, please like, send it, it to me. It's like yeah. a twelve tweet thread. You know about the 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 George Clooney thing though, right? The snowman looks like George Clooney because George Clooney was supposed to be in the movie. I just always have to bring it that up. movie they was never... meant for George Clooney. It took him a really long time to build the thing, and he saw the model and he was like, "I think this is going to be a career killer." And it was like <laughs> right <laughs> after Batman like and Robin, Henson, like 
right? That oh, is George Clooney's oh my face. God, that is George Clooney's it's face. George Clooney's face on a snowman. <laughs> this is the thing. They understood the assignment they did. in a way. It's perfect. <laughs> but it's like but he correctly saw right. that and was like, oh my God. George Clooney quit. The movie was so far along. They had built the snowman and they were like, who is a leading man who looks a little bit like the snowman? <laughs> and they like laid George it on Michael Keaton. I love the idea of them just holding up headshots being like, yeah. Uh, but it was like a train they couldn't stop. They were like, someone has to. The thing's it's been built. It's just wow. weird that it kind of does look like George Clooney. Yes. <laughs> it's so strange. It's like a perfect caricature of George Clooney. <laughs> but I could, I oh mean, if God. I saw a snowman that looked <laughs> too much like me, I would also want to not be anywhere near it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Don't, don't, don't right. show that to me. <laughs> right. It's like an uncanny valley thing. Like the, the fact that you're revolting against it means that there's some survival mechanism that's working. Oh mm. my God. But this right. is, yes, the, these types of movies we're talking about are the things that get thrown at someone when they're like a proven A-list comedy star and they maybe don't want to have to like get in the trenches and generate their own material anymore. Right. And Nick Skank, Joe Skank, Joe Skank. Uh, comes to him and basically is like, here you go, here's an alley-oop. Here's a farce that's been killing it on Broadway. Right. I brought it to you, what a simple premise. Let's plot, slot you in it as the leading man. And and Keaton called it the, ki- the type of unbelievable farce I don't like. Which is, uh, I guess he just thinks it's too high concept, maybe. The whole, like, he's got to get married today or else he's going to yeah. lose all the money. Uh, well, I guess, which to me, great bit. Incredible it. I setup. Was so goofy. Yeah. But you compare this to Go West, where the setup is he decides to go west and gets a cow. <laughs> That's his dream setup for a movie, is I don't know, give me one thing. Yeah. I mean, give this, me a place. But the, the thing with Go West, which we will talk about, yes. is right. The set the plot sounds like it's like a guy goes west. Yeah. But then like 10 minutes in, it's like the guy's going to fall in love with a cow. Okay. That's yeah. secret. That's what this is about. Right. It's going to be two him, and, it's a, him and the cow. Yeah. The I, prefer, cow. I prefer the love story in Go West to the love story in Seven Chances, but I like Seven Chances better. I like Seven Chances better, but yes, I mean, she should, she should not give him the time of day. No. And I am annoyed at him in the end of the movie. Of course. Um, I, which I will... loved her letter though. Her letter to him is so funny where I was like, I should end all my texts to guys like uh, uh, just moving forward. P.S. I think I will be home all day. Like, that's yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah that's usually that's true. Yeah. Um, you set say. your own terms. Right, just come knock on my door. So my theory is, I think why he hated this so much. He hated this as a piece of material and he hated even how it turned out at the end. Talking about the peculiarities of his persona, especially as a romantic lead. Mm-hmm. This is like, this is a movie where this character is driving the machinations of the plot. Whereas most Buster Keaton movies are, a movie happens to him accidentally. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Sure. This is a movie He's where... He's just trying to be normal and things keep being not normal. Right. That, right. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think it, it felt like anathema to him of like, my whole thing is that I'm just standing at the center of a storm and I'm reacting to stuff. And then and, I move to the next right. storm. Yeah. Whereas this guy has to like plot. Mm-hmm. And it's like the things are set in motion and he's the one who's like, here's what I need to do. And there's like an innate level of dishonesty of him trying to pick up these women, which he he talks a lot about like he thought it was the death of comedy to worry about whether you were sympathetic or not. Right. But okay. I do think he had some central metronome without ever intellectualizing it of what makes me a character that audiences will like root for. Mm-hmm. And I think he felt to some degree this breaking of like, this guy's kind of a cat. He, yeah. 
if you read the plot aloud, he sounds like a cad. Yes. I think Keaton gets how to make him not feel like a cad. He does. He does. He does a good job. But you can you get why he would dislike this movie because it feels like it's going against everything he had spent He's decades a sourpuss. It definitely doesn't Flat feel pin. like any other Buster Keaton movie that I've seen. But that's kind of why I liked it. I was like, oh, I wouldn't expect him to see to see him in something that was like farce feeling. No. Right. Um, and he's playing like sort of, I, I don't know, in some of his other features, you get him like pretending to be a rich person, mm -hmm. you know, or like a sort of smooth operator mm -hmm. for moments. This, he's more like kind of that guy and then... He's slowly being broken down. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it worked. I liked it a lot. It's, it's such movie, a good premise. Which completely just wrong. say yeah. he's got a business partner. Their firm is like going under. Yes. They're not only like bankrupt, but they might even go to jail. It's perfectly vague. Yes. <laughs> There's, There's just like ruin something bad untold. Right. Yes. Money soon or else. Right. right. Consequences are unimaginably bad. Mm -hmm. uh, they think they're being chased by a lawyer who's coming to like collect someone who wants to break their kneecaps or something. Yes. Played Ooh. by Snitz Edwards. Love this guy. That guy. What a face this guy What a name. Got. His name Snitz let me just remind Edwards. you. His name is Snitz Edwards. Um, yes. A Hungarian Jewish performer uh, yes. who had become a big Broadway star uh, in the turn of the century. I mean, talk about us not having enough modern movie stars who look tired. We don't have enough guys like oh. this lighten up Broadway. <laughs> He's in three busters, so we will talk about Snitz Edwards again, probably. He He's looks like Snitz is best. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and let's make it clear. He's in Ghosted, too, but I yes. thought it felt, it felt crazy. It was forced. Well, it's nothing to do. It was just a pop. It was a cameo pop. Um, we, this is a pro Snitz podcast. We should make very clear. Yeah. Oh, I'm We're a snitz head. Snitz. Yes. Absolute snitz um, Every time he, they cut to snitz, oh, I was laughing. His reaction shots are so funny. Very but that's nice. the other thing. Like, at times, snitz is almost occupying the classic buster role. The longer the movie mm. goes on. Well, his face is doing so. He's what apparently is referred to as a homely face. Okay. You know, performer. Uh-huh. Like, where it's just like, you know, just one look at this guy's face is going to get, like, the whole theater laughing. <laughs> yes. If you just, like, if a lady, like, looks at him and he's just like, then, like, the whole theater's going to lose it. Yeah. No, I smiled. Uh, yes, every time. The listener. <laughs> um, okay, so, yes. Yeah, so, he needs... He finds out from his lawyer, Snitz, mm -hmm. that he must Snitz marry... Snitz is the executor of his grandfather's correct. estate. And if he marries by 7 p.m. on his 27th birthday, which happens to be this day... Yes. He will inherit $7 million. Which seven. Which like a lot seven, of money. Seven, in, yes. In, in 1925 uh, money. Humongous. Right. Yeah. He'd be fucking Nelson Rockefeller. Uh, yeah, sure. He'd be Nelson Rockefeller, the uh, not yet born, later to be vice president of okay, the United States. Enough. He'd probably have been know. born, actually. I'll Who is the back. richest person in 1918? You know, but this movie, this no. movie's what 24, 25? Yeah, 25. 1925. Let's Both find out. Who's the richest person? Henry Ford was the richest person alive. I love that I could Google oh my that. God, that's so fast. <laughs> He'd be old Hank Ford. Who was the richest person in 1925? And it was Henry yep. Ford, a cool, chill guy, yep. very chill. <laughs> Very Made everything normal. better. Nope. Felt no good mistakes. about all people. Great yes. legacy. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, he does have a girlfriend. He does. A yeah. sweetheart, I should say. Right. A sweetheart. I, people Gotta bring insane. that term back. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I think 
the he, beginning of this movie is in color too. Like, yeah, so very, I, very briefly, I, I should address that. Right, uh, yeah. Buster wanted to make the whole movie in Technicolor, basically because he hated this thing so much right. that he, he was, was like, like, "At least that'll be interesting." If I do it in color, that's a technical experiment. Um, but because of the way he made movies, where he would shoot so much film yes. and then cut out, just you know, cut cut it down to the bone, it was too expensive. So they only did it for the prologue. And when I threw this movie out on, I was like, did some weirdo colorize this Absolutely. movie? Absolutely. Yes. 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 I had that reaction. And then right. I realized, Tumblr like, nope, free. this isn't. <laughs> yes, right. It's some Tumblr free. Hand <laughs> <laughs> paint a Buster Keaton movie. I have fallen down this rabbit hole. There's this weird community of people on YouTube who do AI upscale 4K colorized 60 frames per second busters. Ooh. Too many words. They are what? disgusting. <laughs> they must be very unsettling. Yes. Do they look ugly? They're horrendous. <laughs> yeah, because it's like AI automatic coloring. So it's like... Right, so it's like off. And, and right. it's like it can't keep up with the speed he's moving. Right. You know, so it like knows like, well, his pants are a different shade than his face. I like that bus And it's trying to the track robots. them in real time. Yes. No, the robots cannot fucking keep up with him. Much like all of his potential brides. Yes. Right. Uh, this is the thing. I'm just pulling up uh, JJ's dossier. So I have the specific name here. But there was the other director hired first to do the film. Uh, yes, uh, it was the other director's name, of course, was McDer John McDermott. Who wrote the play, um, right? Yes. Oh. Uh, am I right about this? Hold no, on. but he maybe directed the play, I think. Roy okay. McGuire yes. wrote, or McGrew or something wrote the play. But John McDermott uh, had... had uh, been involved and uh, this was Buster. him trying to rain Buster in of here's material I'm bringing to you here's a director just plug in as the actor right mm. uh, and Buster had no interest in doing that and after a week of filming McDermott leaves and says you are the star and the producer your version will be the one used you're wasting thousands of dollars having me on this picture yeah Ugh, um, which is probably just what Buster wanted probably Buster uh, like Buster told a version of the story that out. was basically disputed by everyone else where he was wasting so much money on the film that they fired him. But it he, sounds like McDermott... he refers to McDermott as a local screwball. <laughs> Ooh, another great term. And he says, right, that he was the one wasting money because he was like, you know, hiring extra writers and making right. fancy sets. And, uh, uh, he got fired. But, uh, for the, for the record, almost all Buster Keaton biographers do not believe his no. story. Right? Now, okay. pure conjecture on my part, but McDermott did shoot, he shot like one week, okay. including the whole opening color section, mm. which is pretty technically complicated with the transitions with the car and everything. Right. It's got yeah. the whole thing with the car. Right. I like the car transition. Oh, it's very cool. And yeah. was something that was like orchestrated by Buster planned out this whole gag, uh, on a technical level, but this other guy had to direct. It does almost feel like maybe Buster made the first week of filming as complicated as humanly possible. Right, to like break this guy. Where it's like, well, this is the one section we'll shoot in color. And it's like a very complicated technical thing where the car has to keep on landing at the exact same space to have this guy be like, you know what, fuck it, whatever, go off, do your movie. Now. That sounds so fun to like, if you know you're going to be successful, to, to be, be like, you have one week to be a little stinker and break this person's spirit. Right. Oh, man, I wish I was meaner. That'd be, that sounds so fun. Also, they're not going to shut the movie down. Like, there's no. a there's an audience for Buster movies. He's got to deliver two a year. Mm -hmm. He thought he could put this thing on the fucking rails. No. No. Now, Buster wanted Marion Nixon to play okay. his, uh, his sweetheart. Mm -hmm. uh, the character's name is Mary. Uh, but she was busy filming a movie called Letter Buck, 
I just that I just had to say that aloud. <laughs> Can I just throw Slip out the name of these these old silent movies? Oh, Letter Buck. I hope it shows up. <laughs> Two again for Letter Buck, please. Um, <laughs> you know, we're we're in uh, a, sorry. Which was a western starring someone called Hoot Gibson. Hoot Gibson Hoot. and Letter Buck. Yes. <laughs> a rodeo champion who transitioned to silent movies. I just love back in the day yeah. where uh, they were like, I don't know what movies are going to be. Maybe rodeo stars should be in charge, right? You know? Do you Let's think people everything. responded to that the same way we do now where it's like, did you see this fucking Paramount Plus movie starring a TikTok star? <laughs> right. We're like, God. That's our Hoot Gibson. That's our Hoot Gibson. Hoot yeah. Gibson. Uh, look, obviously, we, culturally, we're, there's an ongoing conversation where we're reexamining things, especially as they pertain to to gender roles and such, right? Okay. Uh, and you, you feel like increasingly uh, people are trying to phase out boyfriend and girlfriend, these gendered terms. Mm-hmm. I've always had a problem with partner because it feels so formal. Feels too businesslike. It sounds like, like you have an S-corp with Exactly. Like, yeah. that's not a real <laughs> thing. And I'm just realizing you everyone should call everyone a sweetheart. But my I sweetheart. My sweetheart. My sweetheart. That's nice. That's fucking gender neutral. Don't yell at me. David, I don't care what you do. Call your David wife your sweetheart. <laughs> no. No, thank you. I do. I had someone who called me their partner once, and I was like, that's got to stop. Yeah. That's got to stop. I like it the is intention a chilly. behind it. Yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. it's chilly. It either feels like. It feels, a, and not for everybody. If a partner works for you, great. For Absolutely. For me, it felt very businesslike. Yes. It felt like we're splitting every bill, and it <laughs> yes. freaked me out. <laughs> right. Um, some people try lover, but I always find that somewhat. Well, that's, that's a little. Too much. You're telling me Noxious. too much. That's and yeah. significant other is a little too long. Mm-hmm. You want something a little snappy. Yeah, when you're saying significant other, now it feels like you're being euphemistic. My significant. I'm like, all yeah, right, right, all right. I like sweetheart. Fine, you go find okay, yourself so a new sweetheart. Buster's uh, got a sweetheart at the beginning of this. Movie. Troll yeah. Tinder for sweethearts. I will. <laughs> Looking for a sweetheart. <laughs> looking for a sweetheart. Uh, yes. Yeah, so Just a buster looking for his sweetheart. That's a very, that's a very chilling Tinder description. Yes. Um, uh, I agree. That would um, make me throw my phone in the ocean. Uh, Ruth Dwyer <laughs> uh-huh. is the lady who plays Mary. Okay. Um, she She's had a long career. Yeah. yeah. She like had a talent agency later. Um, yes. Uh, they operated the Ruth Dwyer agency in San Francisco. Mm. Love that. Uh, Cause she married an, a talent agent called William Jackie. Mm. But uh, yeah, she's good. I mean, it. We do mostly find in these Buster movies the the female roles are limited, like that they, you know, like it's hard for harder for them to pop. Look, we're gonna get to it, but it is kind of a damning thing where you're like, Brown Eyes is probably the best screen partner he's ever had in any I of his know. movies. No, Brown Eyes like, is wow. crazy. In in door. performance, in amount of screen time given, narrative agency. Not a dig to Brown Eyes at all. The no, amount- Brown Eyes is great, but you're like, there is no female co-star who is so lovingly, like, sort of... Buster Keaton is so much nicer to Brown Eyes than he is to any other yes. woman he encounters. Right, you're like, this is his most romantic film. It is. And I think that it's, I mean, the chemistry is clearly there. Undeniable. It's beautiful. Once again, this isn't backhanded. Mm-hmm. You're like, it, it says a lot about how good their dynamic is. But yes, this is sort of the more off the rack. Right. She's, and also, she doesn't get to do anything fun in no. this movie, I feel like, no. because all the action does not involve her. Right. Um, Buster makes this movie. He thinks it's a disaster. Yes. Uh, and uh, they, you know, he he didn't like the climax Insane. Well, he felt like he didn't have an ending. Right. Oh. 
Um, mm, and I disagree. This movie is basically. I, I don't know why he didn't like. No, this movie, yeah. whatever. This movie is basically forty percent climax, right? Yeah. It's like sixty percent set up for the climax, which is one of the most incredible sustained set. The pieces. climax is amazing, but yeah. I like that it's also bifurcated. That like he's showing you all this very subtle little humor that he can yes. do in yeah. the first half, right? All the little comedy of manners stuff, yes. And then, yeah, you just blow it out for the last part. You get 500 ladies yeah. in bridal veils right, which chasing was, him off a cliff. This was the whole selling point of this movie. Like, it, that was sold as if it was, like, uh, Tom Cruise tying himself to the plane, right? Where <laughs> right. it's like, you're going to see 500 women chase Buster Keaton at the end of this film. Like, everyone knows what they're buying. It right. is literally 500 for. women. They hired yeah. 500 women. Throw me in there. It's absurd. That is, I mean, it is, I feel like, I, I think you're totally right, Griffin, that it's like, he's not the guy who does stuff. He's the guy who stuff happens to right but it's like he can still do it i feel like it shows some like range you don't absolutely see and it, but it is it is telling that like it feels like the second half of the movie he's shaken off all the requirements of the yeah. source material and now he's like extended chase sequence in which i no longer have any agency and everyone is just doing stuff to me, Chasing me. nature he, is turning on me and i'm just trying to survive i wonder how much the script changed from the i'm i mean i'm assuming considerably yeah. from the stage because he blows through all like seven chances yes. right. in the space of like two minutes right. yes. the whole i thought the whole premise because that's course. the whole thing the guy's like all right well let's go to the country club right. who do you know here let's set up so he he goes after the the thing is thrown to him and it's like well great i got a sweetheart i'll propose to her and then when she realizes, oh, he's doing this just because of. He clumsily is sort of like. And this is great. What a relief. I have to marry someone today. It might right. as well be you. Some fun underlining on the title cards. So yes. I was like, I get it. I yep. get it. Old he pop. saps all the romance out of the situation with someone who would love to marry him. And in the process is becomes totally turned off by him. Right. And so he goes with his partner and his new lawyer friend with the world's most sour puss to yes. a country club. Yes. And his partner identifies. No, his partner's just like, who do you know? Right. Write it down. Yeah. Right. And he writes down There's seven names. seven women. So he's like, you got seven chances. Yes. So I, like Jamie, figured, right, that's the rest of the movie. The structure it's of the movie. It's Scott Pilgrim style. Exactly. Right. Seven yeah. courtships, and they'll all go elaborately wrong. Each, Instead, each no. eight minutes, a new chance. <laughs> he just whiffs all of them yeah. in a row. Yes. And then... In various funny ways, but then I also love that, like even the hat check girl is like, forget it, you know, like like even he no, he tries okay. anything. This at that point. this hat check girl is fucking striking. Yeah, she's, she's hot. I was like, what's her vibe is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Aside from the fact that she's like beautiful, you're also like she's not giving a comedy performance. <laughs> she just seems like some cool, mean, tall lady. Uh, uh, I mean, what I believe a dream. her name is Eugenia Gilbert. Yeah. Uh, I want to point out uh, the fifth chance is Bartine Burkett. Okay. Uh, who is his romantic interest in The High Sign, his oh. short film. Yes. And uh, another one is, uh, I forget which one is Fatty Arbuckle's wife. Uh, Roscoe's wife. Yes. yes Roscoe Arbuckle's yes. wife. Trying I'm to sorry. Do yes, no, I know. You're right. Uh, Doris, or no, fiance, I should say. Doris, Doris Dean, Dean. Yes. Who is the second chance. Uh, Gene Arthur is also the receptionist at the country club. The, the, the you know, yeah. uh, great. Frank Capra star, yes. or, you know, what I mean, a million different but things. But he uh, he blows through the seven chances so quickly, and then basically he gives you a bonus seven where the guy is so desperate that he's just throwing, like, it swings anywhere he can. You I get loved the, that sequence. I thought it was great. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. I, this is, yeah, I kind of love this m almost as much as the avalanche and all that stuff. And I feel like that's part of, like, what, I don't know, what makes Buster Keaton so fun is, like, he'll just let someone, like, laugh in his face. That's great. Yes. Most most movie stars will not <laughs> let you laugh in their face not, in, without some sort of, like, 
protective infrastructure. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, he can be great. completely next. He's got no yeah. ego and and his partner. See, this is the problem with saying partner in a romantic situation. So I'm like, this guy is a partner. His partner. <laughs> Literally his the name of the character is his right. partner. Exactly. Thomas Barnes, yes. Roy Barnes. I got confused when I looked at that on the Wikipedia. I was like, wait, what were they were they using that then? Right, like, right. His partner and his sweetheart. Yeah, his partner. Uh yes. Uh who I is I do love that these movies, the character names are just like our hero, her dad. <laughs> Friendless. Yes. Well, friendless, one of the all-time great character names. Oh. But there's that scene where he's like, Jesus Christ, this isn't so fucking hard. Let me show you. And his partner goes over to like try to propose to a woman and she immediately is in. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and, then, and then he's like, no, not for me, for my friend. And then he points oh. to old Snitz. Yes. Yeah. Who gives the look. Wiggles the eyebrows. Right. I yeah. cheered. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's I it's cheered too. Great. great. That's the other thing. Snitz. Snitz is like just doing his job. I need to track down this grandson and like tell him the terms of the inheritance, right? But then he just stays. He gets so roped <laughs> in. He becomes the third like friend, right? Right. And Snitz is now just like, can I get the runoff? Like <laughs> right. <laughs> I want that for Snitz. Right. Snitz basically nice. hopes that the first chance will go well so he has a shot with the remaining six chances. If this was yeah. like an eight-reeler and not a six-reeler, yeah. I think Snitz would get a lady or whatever. Absolutely. There'd be some subplots. Yeah. Yeah. I right. mean, Snitz's character, is, and it would be like, I don't know, Snitz's character is pervert-coded. Uh, yeah. But in a I way would that say yes. I, I found delightful. In the 20s way of like, you know, what am I supposed to do about this guy? He's a real ankle starer. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's our snits. This is a movie I very faintly remember because I saw it on a plane over 20 years ago when it came out. But you guys know this was remade as a new line rom-com with Chris O'Donnell and Renee Zellweger. No. Called Wait. The Bachelor. Yes, I remember The Bachelor, of course. It is a direct remake. It is credited because as such. Because it has, it ends it has him being chased by all the ladies. It's the same premise. It's, yes. It's if he doesn't get married. The exact same premise. Oh, my God. Oh, and let me I, find a I believe for Artie Lang plays the snitz role. No. <laughs> is my memory. Uh, that's Wait, brutal. Let's see. What okay, year so would that have been? It's 1999. Oh. As, wow, the, okay. as the century ended, yeah. Chris O'Donnell stepped into the role of The Bachelor. I can tell you that Artie Lang plays a character called Marco. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that Ed Asner plays a character called Sid Gluckman. I think he's oh. the grandfather. Uh, possibly. Mariah Carey also appears to be in this film. Interesting. My memory is that there is a deathbed scene with Ed, which Ed Asner says to him is his final words. Mm-hmm. I will give you this amount of money if you marry someone. You have to be uh. The Bachelor. Yeah. Uh, here they... And so Renee is his girlfriend. His sweetheart. And, uh, yeah. oh, okay. But the Mary, poster Mary is. His sweetheart. They, they similarly advertise this movie Buster as. Keaton? He's trying to Buster Keaton with his head. It, it, an insane choice. Really but, taking but, a big swing on okay. Chris O'Donnell. This is the thing with Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. Anytime he was put in a movie yeah. after Batman, you're kind of like, what were they thinking? And I'm like, well, what's he supposed to do? <laughs> the poor, bland glass of milk. He looks nice. Right. And now he's on season 800 of NCIS Los Angeles. He's doing doing fine. He's found his spot. But it's just so funny in that era to not be like, we should remake this with Jim Carrey. Right. We should remake this with Ben Stiller. You would think that Jim Carrey, but Jim Carrey probably was smart enough to be like, I don't need to do a Buster Keaton remake. Like that's, that's cursed territory. That's looking into the snowman behavior. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) To do it with someone who's more of a romantic lead than a comedy lead was a bizarre choice. And my memory was also like that was sort of Renee had been kind of quiet post Jerry Maguire. And that was sort of her comeback movie. Uh. Um, 
Yeah, Marco. I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out who Marco Artie Lang's character is. Yeah. Uh, it looks like he's just kind of the friend right. or whatever. He's the the sidekick. Um, but as as in Seven Chances, after he strikes out with everyone, yeah. Um, they put an ad yes. in the paper, uh-huh. basically saying, "If you marry this man by seven o'clock, you will be a millionaire. You will yes. share in his fortune." Mm-hmm. And uh, so show up to the church, yeah, in bridal wear. Mm-hmm. Which honestly is not necessary. One no. does not need to wear a no. veil to get married. No, it makes for a good visual. It also made me uh, remember how frequently newspapers were published. Evening um, edition. Yeah, absolutely the, right. Evening edition. They've got they've got full copy. I read the whole article. All he needs is a bride. I just, I mean, and then I learned what his grandfather's name was. It was Jabez Shannon. Well. Wow. Uh, Jabez? Jabez. Okay. Can, can we go through some of, just before we get onto the chase, some of the the quick rejection gags go at ahead. the country club? Because mm-hmm. um, uh, we were talking about, um, Jamie, were you, a, were you a Mad Magazine person? I was a light Mad Magazine okay. person. I didn't have a lot of access to them. This is obviously post-Buster, uh, and I, I have to imagine it was some influence, but Sergio Argones, the mm. great cartoonist, one Recently. of the all-time great, no, he's still alive. Oh, he's the one who who just Al Jaffe died. Al Jaffe just died. He of the fold in. Yes, he did. Sergio Argones is one of those guys where you're like, how is he still alive? He's still alive. He's, he's still five years old. Yes. He's wow, good for him. Um, but he used to do these. Uh, it would be called like a mad look at, mm-hmm. and it was his style, which was so beautiful. And it would be like three panel strips of like a mad look at the DMV, and they okay. would never have word bubbles. And so it would all be this kind of like behavioral physical comedy of some misunderstanding of like a basic everyday situation that people understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like this sequence is a lot of that because you're not doing like buster stunts and gags. Yeah. You're doing like him following the woman up the staircase and immediately walking back down. You're doing him going in the phone booth and coming out and saying like wrong caller. Right. <laughs> you know, there's the great gag where he like saddles up next to the woman reading the newspaper, and then she folds the newspaper down. You see she has the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's the, I mean, you obviously end it with the gag where he feels like he's finally found a bride, and he finds out and she's, like, she's a like, little girl. Yes. Which uh, which was such a, like a weird Clara Bow moment where you're like, yes. oh, yeah, this 24-year-old woman is, of course, 11. <laughs> but uh, I think it's face. almost, it's kind of funny as a commentary on, like, a, a lot of his other stars. In the I, was, I was like, yeah, I, man, I was like, who does he think he is? But Charlie also, Chaplin. I, even at that time, a hundred years ago, worked the bag. Jamie, a lot of on. these yeah. it girls were kind of like infantilized. Yeah, sure. you know, you have like little cupie doll bow in your hair, Baby and face it's like with the with the bow. Yeah. Right. The whole thing is, oh, it's like a twenty-two year old who acts like an eleven-year-old. Where to call it out is kind of funny to me, even if the gag is a little uncomfortable. No, but it, it's it's a comfortable it's, it's from a the right gag. side of the it fence. It felt yeah. self-aware enough. Yeah, yes. when they handed her, I mean, unless I was like misunderstanding the self-awareness of it, when they handed her like the baby doll, yes. I was like, this is clearly an adult woman. Yes. Um, yes. I liked it. Um, yeah, they still do that over in the CW. Yes. Uh, <laughs> make 30-year-old women act like little babies. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And I'll watch it. Yeah. Um, you know, The Bachelor still exists, of course. Not, yes. not, not Chris O'Donnell. What if you made Chris O'Donnell The Bachelor, though? They should do as that. a callback. Yeah. Um, okay. They put the ad in the newspaper. Well, and also, of course, parallel to all this, yeah. Mary has been sort of persuaded to reconsider and written a note agreeing to marrying Jimmy. 
By yes. her mom. I was yes. trying to like, I mean, I guess I was just like really clinging to this scene because I was like, ooh, let's let's see what happens between the mother and daughter. But I wasn't clear on whether the mother was like, oh, you should give him another chance because that because she just she should or because yeah. she wanted seven million dollars. I, I would prefer a, an evil I think mom. it's the former. I think the mom yeah. is like, you guys just need to talk to, you know, she's stressing communication, right? right. She's yes. like, look. He was weird. It's not, it's fine. I don't think she's after the money. But this is the thing I wish her daughter's happiness. A thing that I I think this movie taps into in a in a good way is like uh as as someone who has spent the majority of the last four years being violently single, the thing that people, uh, such as uh the people who co-host and produce your podcast. Uh, say to you all the time is just like, well, it happens when you're not looking for it, right? Oh, kill me, yeah. Right, you get stuck in this catch-22 where you're like, I would like to not be single. And it's like, well, when you're putting that out there, people aren't into it, right? So it's like, this guy has a girlfriend. The second he's like, I need to get married, he totally turns her off. Mm -hmm. The second there's like this desperation, he cannot get anyone to give him time of day. But He's I, just like radioactive. I can relate with spontaneously breaking up with someone because they emphasized the wrong word in of a course. sentence. Oh, of course. So I do see where Mary is coming from. The, yes. the underlying. He was hit the sum. Right. He hit the sum all wrong. Wait, but I do. But like, it could have been a discussion. I do like that. Like uh, in his seven chances, his strikeouts. It's less like he's fucking up really hard and more like no one wants to touch him. <laughs> and there's the great bit at the end where when he thinks he's finally like panned out with the woman who turns out to be the little girl, the other seven women have all ganged together and are just watching him fail and like right. applauding. It's They uh, become friends through hating him. He really should have, I guess he only has the day to do it, yeah. but he really should have like branched out, taken a walk around the block right. or something. Gone to a any, second location. Yeah, yeah. It is such a fun nightmare scenario to watch play out for and he's so good at yeah. like being humiliated for a second but then just walking out of the scene and continuing to do the thing not realizing um, that he's basically becoming like West Elm Caleb or whatever his name was in real time oh my god they're all sharing notes you know yeah meanwhile everyone who it has laughed at him has started a union <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> in the last 45 <laughs> minutes yes and they're like marching for like I, it's just it was such a fun sequence and I'm like I have to assume that is the entire play yeah. squeezed into 10 minutes. I I, I think basically... Yes, certainly yes. the play did not have an avalanche sequence no, in it. No, and that's a shame. It's it so, should have. It's they so have funny to think Phantom about... Phantom of the Opera style every night just yeah. caved in the ceiling or something. It's so funny to think about, like, buying plays in particular. Like, I understand they were adapting, like, great works of literature... No, but that in, was... Yeah. In the silent era. But to be like... Here's a hit farce from Broadway. These things that are so dialogue based, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, now you're going to like translate into a medium where you have to cut the dialogue down to a minimum. I feel like this movie has more intertitles than most of his features for that reason. And then he's basically like, more, yeah. let me do like an abridged version of the plot for like 30 minutes and then let me do some Buster Keaton shit. Right. Um, but initially, they couldn't figure out any good chase gags, apparently. They faded on the chase. Yes. Like in the middle of it. Yes. Uh, the uh, he the first test screening apparently the audience was also not really that into it, but right. the audience did laugh during a point where a few rocks dislodged dislodged and rolled down the hill with him. accidentally, and so he was like, "Let's go back and 
throw so many rocks down the yeah. hill. Like let's let's boost up all the rocks. That'll be what we do. But that's the great fucking like Buster chain of cartoon logic where it's like, you know, he goes to the church in defeat, right? I failed. Yes. Takes a nap in a pew. I really like that. Yes. yes. That he's going to the church just as like, this is a place of mourning for me. Right. Like I can just be sad here. And they all start showing up. You they see do. them slowly come in. They're all holding a newspaper with his face on it. They're sitting next to him. It takes a moment for anyone to even realize, oh, this is the guy. Then they start like fighting over his hand. Then they start swarming him. He runs out. You get this amazing fucking wide shot. This like God's eye view shot of the street where he is slowly walking away and the mob is like just growing and growing and mm -hmm. grow him behind him and it just never ends. Right. The way that that scene is paced is so, it was, I weirdly, I was thinking about at the end of Titanic where they pull out and you're, everyone's yeah. dying. You're like, it's that, but with brides. Uh, but like, how does, I, I don't know, just like watching how he paces his performance in that scene to, to match with the shot is unbelievable. He it's holds so good. off on running until the last possible moment. Yeah. He's really trying to just be chill. Yeah. And then it's, it's like of he's like, sort of like picking up the pace. He doesn't want to make it. He wants to play oblivious. Mm -hmm. And then you get into this like now it's like a running of the bulls. Now they're following him everywhere, right? They're invading everything. But then there's this point, and, and you have the great gag where they walk by um, the man building the brick wall. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the women all each grab a brick to attack him. Yep. And so they deconstruct the brick wall. But then at a certain point, he, like, shakes them, but he's still stuck in this chase sequence because, like, now bees are after him. Now boulders are after him. Like, now the whole world is just trying to get him. Mm -hmm. um, and this thing with the boulders is, like, uh, insane. Uh, it's so good. It's so scary. And they hold those shots for so long. Yes. It's terrifying. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's, I don't know how he does any of this stuff. I mean, he says, when I have a gag that spreads out, mm -hmm. I hate to jump a camera into close-ups, which is sort of the classic Buster thing, right? He has this very sort of um, widescreen filming style that is very conservative in a way. Like, yeah. he doesn't really mess with anything. He just lets you watch these very long takes. But I just feel like most people just would not be able to do that, right? No. They would I mean, have to cut into it because, like, they can't yeah. actually outrun a hundred boulders for a camera right. without dying. The only cut that I think I, like, noticed that felt there was, like, during the tree jump, there was some sort of cut. Or maybe I was watching the wrong YouTube. No, 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 no. There definitely is a yeah. cut there. Was there. Yes. Yeah. But he jumps onto the tree. Yes. And then... Whatever. Then we get this gag where the tree just goes right because they probably go great. from a real tree to a rubber tree. Right. In the cut. Right. Yeah. He's Love got rubber tree. this other quote here that JJ pulled up. I like long takes and long shot close ups hurt comedy. I like to work full figure. And then JJ put in bold. All comedians want their feet in, which is such <laughs> a good way of putting it. But that like when you get to the point where, where which is clearly the reshoots where they've now created all these paper mache boulders and they have like eight hundred of them. And they're all like Indiana Jonesing down the hill. And he finds that sort of like little alcove in the hill where he can hide and the boulders go over him. Mm -hmm. And it's just holding on that angle for so fucking long and you're seeing them like narrowly miss him. And then they start to build up and they're getting closer and closer to his head and his back is turned and there's no cut. And you're like, he's just hoping that none of them hit him. He doesn't know how many have built up. No. Like, it's so crazy. And yeah. even as a director... It's like, well, he can know what they planned, but by design, he's not looking in that direction. Yeah. He doesn't know what's visually happening behind him. And there was, I, I watched that scene a couple different times, and there's like three times where it really does seem like there's inches between yes. him getting, yeah. Like yes. It's, 
It also feels like the the boulders have become sentient. <laughs> yeah. Like the boulders feel like the bees or whatever, where they're like tr- circling him. They're trying mm-hmm. to get him. Oh, it's so good. Um, and then, what, yeah, and then how just... Did Chris O'Donnell, they didn't hit him with the boulders. No, no. Instead, he's sort of like, and it, was, it looked like San Francisco to me. Yes. He's in the streets of San Francisco. He jumps on a bus at one point. It's not even the best movie that takes place in San Francisco in 1999. No, not at all. It's probably George of the Jungle. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Great, great yeah. answer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what? That's someone who could have fucking done this. Oh, yes, he could If have. you had done 99 Especially right Fraser, around then. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's that exact same movie, but it's Fraser and Zellweger. I mean, look, this movie looks like a dud. I, I, I Maybe even Brendan couldn't have saved it. But Brendan has more, Brendan Fraser yeah. at that time, has more of the Buster Keaton thing of you're just sort of like, what is this guy? Like, right. his face is so interesting. But He's also such a physical specimen. That thing where it's like, you're really hot, and yet I can believe that it takes people a moment to realize... Yeah. Yes. You're romantically viable. Because he's genuinely weird. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Right. And he had that, like, odd sort of man-child innocent thing. But, like, just, this movie is directed by someone called Gary Sinor. It's just not a thing. That's not true. It is. <laughs> Gary Sinor doesn't exist. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> the Bachelor. Let's see how much money it made. Wow. $36.9 million. These days, if a movie for grownups oh, made that, you kidding people me? would be shooting confetti in the streets. Maybe yeah. if there's a maybe it's a Wikipedia hoax, the Gary Sinor thing. Gary Sinor. It's Gary a lot Sinor. Of Wikipedia hoaxes. Um, um, but then you just have the wrap-up ending where he finally makes it back to his sweetheart and he realizes he's he's missed the deadline by like five minutes. Yeah. She's um, been sitting in <laughs> I mean, she's like stationary for most of the movie, but she she yeah. comes back. I just he has a line basically like what's about to happen in my life is right. so miserable I wouldn't want to bring anyone else into it. I I was just assuming the ending was going to be they don't get the money they like each other anyway yes. they're going to be fine. Yeah. So I was kind of annoyed where he's like no no don't marry me. Yeah. And he leaves and I get his argument of like yeah I'm about to you know be put in a debtor's jail or yeah. something. Um. And then of course the real twist is ah oh, the watch was fast we can get married to be rich. Yeah. Which is fine. I get you want to send everyone out on a high note. I get it. But I still felt like Mary didn't get quite enough of like oomph at the end. There. No, because yeah. she has the agency to say like, I don't care about the money. Right. And instead right. she's just kind of like, okay. The money kind of ruined this whole thing. Right. Let's like, get that the out whole of the fucking picture. problem. It's yeah. why you were being chased. Her yeah. only like agency moments are pretty like immediately undercut both times where the first time she's like, well, no, you if you want to just marry someone, then don't marry me. Fuck right. you. And then two seconds later, her mom's like, don't be a bitch, Mary. <laughs> right. Go talk to him. Be a she's nice like, girl. okay, I'll go marry him right now. And then she's like, I don't care about the money. And then it's like, well, you're getting the money. And it's like, okay, well, fine. I, mean, I thought which, that there was, fine. when did, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, I mm. was, I didn't go into this movie expecting a transformative feminist text. Uh, sure, sure, uh, sure. But when did, um, I had like a national treasure thought at this point where I was like, is it going to be, a daylight savings time thing, but I don't know. Oh, interesting. When was daylight savings time? When did that start? And David? Is it over? Uh, when did daylight savings time like big? Like when did America adopt daylight savings? Yes. Time? And did it ever really end? Well, no. What do you mean? We still do I feel it, like don't we? Try to vote it yes. away well, all the time. Well, but the, I don't the know Senate if that ever almost mis- apparently almost by mistake voted to outlaw it. Yeah. 
And everyone was like, yes, enough of this weirdness. Right. Yeah. But then it never got any further or I whatever. I wish they would. Uh, well, as a parent, I will say it is, especially for a young child, it's very annoying to deal with that because yeah. uh, kids do not understand that time is now shifting. Right. Because like, it shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, because it shouldn't. The United States adopted daylight saving in 1918. Okay. So it's brand new. At this it would have been topical. Would have been a great, yeah. uh, great twist. It almost feels like that could be the setup of an entire Buster movie. Is like daylight savings and it's a guy who's off by an hour on everything and his movies are an hour yeah it would be perfect right one hour wrong um the extra hour he's existing out of time yeah mm. um l- let's play the box office game for this one now okay Griffin. good smart I feel like right yep. yeah. absolutely so smart. jamie you may remember we played the box office game we uh you know try to guess the top five i remember where i was in 1997 i think about what was playing at the multiplex um and you might think like, oh, it's 1925. Surely there's no box office data for this. There is. Wrong. Right, now, where is it? Now you have to load it up. <laughs> I have to load, it up. Have to load my Kindle. Uh, and uh, Jamie, I just, I need to warn you. Uh, I've been killing these five out of five. Know uh-huh. them all. Okay. Wait, so I'm about to alpha What the was fuck the name of, of a po- po- potato and... Oh, uh, Potash and Potemkin? Or yes, that was it. I don't know. Yeah. It's like you find these movies where it's like... Oh, yeah, you know, the nation's favorite, like, Yiddish comedian is mixing it up with an Irish comedian. It was a double act that was Irish comedian, Jewish comedian, and I want to buy the remake rights to do it with Barry Key again. Oh, that would be... I think we could be the new Potash and Potemkin or whatever their names are. That's something like that. IP might be public domain at this point. It it, It, almost certainly is. Um, So this film opened in March 1925, Griffin. Uh, And and it's on my list. It's charting. It's opening big oh. to $60,000. Humongous. Wow. Uh, number two at the box office. Not okay. number one, though. Not number one. Number one, a holdover? No, the number one is also new. Fuck. Uh, and it's got a great name. It is a lost film. Okay. We cannot watch it anymore. Hmm. Um, but you probably still know it, right? I assume. Is it London After Midnight? No. no. Uh, I'm joking. There's no way you would know this. Uh, it is directed this. by Henry King, a famous director, Oscar-winning okay. director okay. of the early years. Is it Oscar- an adaptation of anything? <sighs> no. It has an absolutely bananas name. I don't know. I, there's, no, there's no plot here. It stars Alice Terry and or- Orville Caldwell. And so you must know that the answer is... Don't mind if I do. Sackcloth and Scarlet. Well, <laughs> sackcloth? Correct. And Scarlet. And Scarlet. Here they are. Oh, sackcloth is a guy. I, I, I guess so. <laughs> they look cool. Yeah. He kind of looks like a spaceman. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't know what that's about. No. Nope. Uh, anyway, Lost. that's number one. It's okay. beating out seven chances by $2,000. Uh, tight. Seven chances opening number two. Now, yeah. the next movie. It's weird to think that $2,000 was a difference of like five million people. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, next movie is a romantic comedy. Okay. Uh, looks like sort of a high society romantic comedy. Mm. Uh, starring Doris Kenyon and Lloyd Hughes, okay. of course. Yes. It's got a great title. It's called Based- Keep Your Gloves On. Uh, the Los Angeles Times said it was well above the average in many of its scenes. Huh? That's on the poster. Wow. Yeah. And the Los Angeles Daily News says that it tugs at the heartstrings, and the poster says, of course, it's a first national picture. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film is called If I Marry Again. Hey. Okay. I almost could have guessed that title. You probably yeah. could have. Yeah. Uh, starring Doris Kenyon, and uh, it looks like, you know, 
Uh, she's gonna figure it all out. Is um, that how film critics wrote then, or is that genuinely a very light endorsement above I can, average? I can't in many tell scenes. if it's a neg or not. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a little above average. I don't know. What do you want from me? All the reviews I've been reading from these Keaton films at the time are like that. Right. They're okay. like ultimately a film that plays in front of your eyes. Well, it's just like when you watch like sports footage from the fifties. Yeah. Of someone doing something absolutely insane, and the announcers are like, "Yes, and he's done it." And the Boston Celtics will win. Like, you know, like yes. they sound barely excited about something, yes. you know, An above average picture. Film was always in the camera and Dave running Ruth at the right time. vaporized a man with his baseball. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yes. Number four uh-huh. is a comedy uh-huh. based on a play. Okay. Um, starring Richard Barthelmus and hmm. Mary Hay. Is it a play I would know? Is it a play no. that's still in... No, but no. it was written by Oscar Hammerstein II. Huh. Famously later became a great composer. Uh, now, the poster says it's a picture not to be missed. Okay. Um, and of course, it's a first national picture, once again. Of course. It's called... New toys. Wait a second, David. You didn't even <laughs> let me guess. I was going to say new toys. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yo, you got it. New <laughs> you toys. You turned the screen around before I even had the chance to tell you I knew it you're was called. Get these. What's new toys about? That sounds like my kind of movie. Uh, let's see. It's uh, a guy gets tickets to an amateur performance from his fiance as she sails for Europe, but then she he falls in love with someone else and they live in a Harlem flat and have a baby, but then the old girlfriend comes back mm. and uh, there's sort of a love triangle. Uh, and then it looks like someone might have killed themselves, but then everyone is happy at the end. Now that's a new toy. New toy. <laughs> All yeah. right, number five. Stink lack of toys in that fucking plot <laughs> synopsis. You, uh, maybe the kid has some toys. All right, number five is okay. a comedy. A lot of comedies mm. yeah. based on a musical. Okay. Uh, that we know. No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> starring. <laughs> Uh, Colleen Moore. Colleen Moore. The uh, great Colleen It's about Moore. a girl from a foundling asylum who's a dishwasher in Paris. Okay. But then the Duke of Czechoslovakia, a made-up country. Uh-huh. Are, they're Genovia. Yes, exactly. Meets her, and I guess he's sort of trying to slum it. It's kind of like, a, you know, he's pretending to be not rich, and they fall in love, but then, sure. you know, it turns out he's rich. Right. I think it's called From Soap to Silver. It's called <laughs> Sally. Well, wow. <laughs> wait of course, a second. That... This is a first national pick. <laughs> okay. What, what, Was what's first your question? national the Disney of their day, or are they just like Fucking owning apparently. the box? She's got a classic flapper haircut. I was know, like, I was like, of, I just love her hair. You know, I guess the the coat check girl. Um, she has the most yes. severe flapper haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels sharper than than the norm. Yes, she extra wouldn't fuck Buster Keaton. Yes, but that's what I like about yeah. her. And, yeah. and and in, in fact, when you Google Seven Chances. She's like the first picture that comes up. I think that scene yes. is just sort of seared in people's memory. She's also so much taller much than Much taller, yes. Like, she's so God, yeah, intense yes. looking. She's, I'm, I'm into it. She's I got have, this great necklace that, like, goes all the way to her legs. Uh-huh. I, 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 I have this thing sometimes where I, like, I watch a Buster Keaton movie, and I'm like, oh, my God, she's so pretty. I have such a crush on her. And then I remember, like, she probably died seven decades ago. She is yeah. so dead. I have definitely had... That feeling with these movies where I'm like, everyone is dead. So dead. Everyone. Even Couldn't the, be even more the babies dead. are dead. Yeah. Really? For, even the babies are dead. It's That's 100 true. years old. Yeah. They're dead. The people I, who saw these movies in theaters <laughs> are dead. It's always chilling to find out that, like, I mean, especially when you're younger, that like a formative crush of yours is dead. Yes. Sure. Like, like they're, Paul I, Newman. Yeah. I, I, I had a huge crush on Carl Anderson in mm. Jesus Christ Superstar. He played Judas. Yeah. And my mom had to like break the news to me that he just died. And yeah. I was like, 
like it was just wow. He died in two thousand four. I he remember his hot damn. I ha- yeah, and he wears that oh, orange red, suit. Yeah, the jacket. Yeah, this is very cool. I remember Loved having him. that experience when I was young with Vincent Price, and my mother having to tell me that Vincent Price died, and it felt really spooky. Because I was like watching Vincent Price shit all the time. And I was like, Vincent Price, one of our greatest living entertainers. Right. And my mom was like, he died 18 months ago. And I was like, it feels like something out of a Vincent Price movie. <laughs> He's been dead this whole time. <laughs> I, a six-year-old, have been watching Vincent Price. A dead man. This is a walking skeleton? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're telling me? All right, let's talk about Go West. Okay. Uh, his follow-up to Seven Chances was supposed to be the skyscraper. Which, this thing sounds so cool. Uh, in which he's working on a skeleton structure of a yes. new skyscraper above the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a girl up there with him. Her old man doesn't know this. Uh, there's a lot of stuff with elevators. And then there's a strike where the boys walk off the job. And then him and the girl are, like, stuck up there. That's the premise of the movie, basically, is they get stuck up at the top of scaffolding and can't figure out how to get down. Wasn't um, that a movie that came out last year? Uh, yes. Was, what was it called? It was called, was like, like, Fall? <laughs> yes. Was it Up or Fall? I think it was called Fall. Something like I think that. It was, it was called a Fall. Pixar movie called Up. Yes. I forgot. <laughs> the Rock also made his skyscraper movie. Yes, yes. I just like that this feels like a comedic diehard. Yeah. It, it feels like a cool, uh, you know, landscape to use for yeah. bits. And it feels like very 20s, too. It's like skies that that was happening all over the place. And he gets so much good material out of, like, him fighting against modernity, like, being sure. kind of terrified by technology and shit like that. Apparently, they just couldn't crack the ending with that one, so they never did They it. never uh, solved how he gets down. Right. <laughs> right. The technology did not yet exist. Um, uh, but it the, was, where's the story here? The writer, it was supposed so to be Robert Sherwood. Robert Sherwood, yeah. who eventually run, win, wins three Pulitzer Prizes for drama, apparently. Yes, at this oh. time was just a Life magazine critic. Right. Uh, apparently ran into him years later and Keaton like comes up to him and he says, don't worry, Buster, I'll get you down out of there. And then that's the last time they ever. Yeah. At, well, he said every time you saw him, he would just say, like, I'm going to figure out how to get you down. Well, from that well we'll do yeah. it. Right. Um, OK. Never solved it. Sounds like a cool movie. So instead, he comes up with a simple premise. What if I dress up like a cowboy? <laughs> uh, correct. <laughs> Um, so, uh, someone said, uh, in, in our Reddit, I think like, uh, the thing that's great about, um, the Buster Keaton movies is every one of these titles feels like a perfect layup for a David. What if there was a blank? Oh, I love what if there was a blank. Sure. Right. What if there was a wife? Right. A wife. Mm-hmm. What if he go West? What if he went West? What if, what if, west? What yeah. if there was someone who went West? Right. Um, so Okay, behind the scenes, what's going on right now? Joe Skank is getting uh, wooed by United Artists, mm-hmm. which is, of course, Charlie Chaplin and Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford's yes. artist's own studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's They bring him over. Eventually, UA is going to distribute Buster Keaton movies as yes. a result, but not these. Not this one. No, this is still this part is still of Metro. The, yes. Yes. No, no Golden or Mayor. Just Metro? Just Metro. Um, like the trains. Yeah. But... That does mess up Buster's life. A lot of his writers start getting loaned out. Yes. Because of it. Uh, so when he's doing Go West, he doesn't have his usual stable of guys. He's basically had the same team since the shorts um, on almost all of these. Kind of a glaring lack of schnitz as well. I mean, there well, is no yes. schnitz. stood out to me. I'm glad schnitz comes back. It's he a does dam- show up again. It's yes. a damn shame. Not for Jamie, though. Uh, not um, for Jamie, but, you know, we can... 
we can check in with you later. Yeah, if you want to swoop in on Schnitz. No, the big co-star here is... Joe Mitchell, Gene Havez were the main three gag writers he had on the previous features. Um, And then the two new people, he sort of fills in the room, Raymond Cannon, who was an actor who then became a gag man slash... Love to be a gag man. And Lex Neal. Who was a childhood friend. Yes. Um, but the big casting job on this movie, obviously, is yes. Brown Eyes. This he is, has to cast right. the cow. Right. Uh, played by a cow named Brown Eyes. Yes. Now, this is what I love about this movie, where he basically, it feels like, it, it gets at this thing of, like, when we talk about his weird inscrutability, right? How hard it is to read Buster in any scene. It feels like he realizes, oh, the only person who could really like hold their own comedically with me on screen is an animal who is incapable of speaking and impossible to figure out what they're doing. Incapable of ego, too. Right, right. And yet, what a performer. Incredible. I mean... I love when they cast non-actors in acting roles. Yes. <laughs> an, very an, exciting. An amateur actor. Yes. Yes. Brown eyes. Huge. Um, she was a beautiful creature, says Buster. She did not appear to be any more intelligent than any other Holstein cows. Uh, so they trained her. He would lead her around the studio on a rope. He would feed her carrots and other culinary de- delights for the bovines. That's how he puts it. I never had a more affectionate pet or a more obedient one. After a while, he could walk her through doors, mm-hmm. walk her past bright lights. Mm-hmm. Only difficulty was when he sat down, she would try to climb into his lap. But he like spent months with brown eyes of just like, my big swing for this movie is I'm going to get this cow to feel so comfortable around me that I can do anything. Um, and it works. Well, but do you know what happens? No. Oh, no. They get there. They film this movie in Arizona. Uh Correct. The first week, she's acting bizarre. Oh, yes. Right. Suddenly, it's like she was so obedient. She followed him anywhere, and suddenly she's, like, not doing anything. And I think they bring in a a doctor or vet to take a look. They brought in a rancher. Yes. Okay. Uh, And he said, your cow is in heat, and she won't be any use to you until she's over that. She's got to get some, and she will not be able to focus on work until she does. Um, Wow. And so they had to wait 10 days. Here is the quote from Buster Keaton, and it is a doozy of a quote. Uh Uh-huh. This is as good as Rosaria Dawson referring to her shaved vagina as the general. The general, yeah. uh, Which came up on our trans uh, episode. Right. The idea of how daily expenses would mount while we waited for that cow to get her mind off sex was dismaying. (laughs) We had selected her for her unusual beauty and striking markings. She had been in too many scenes to start looking for another whole scene to double for her. I did the only sensible thing. I ordered her let out of the corral so she could find an affection and empathy loaded bull for herself. I didn't read that quote wrong. It just felt like I was reading wow. affection and, and empathy loaded bull. Affection and empathy loaded bull. Yeah. I, he was I love just that like, a cow got too horny and they had to stop the movie. That's so great. But and the buster was like, fine, go fuck right. a bull. It's fine. Right. I get it. Look, but we're he all... wants the best for her. He wants exactly. an empathetic, an empathetic. Uh, bull but, to fuck. But the funniest thing to think about is that uh, you got Joe Skank, who's like in the middle of this career transition. Right. He's jumping to this big studio. Right. And he's getting fucking like memos. He's getting like uh, telegrams or whatever mm-hmm. that are like Buster movie on day five of shutdown. How <laughs> has still not gotten any, <laughs> you know, and th- his quote was, uh, that's key for you. If there's a costly way to make a movie, he'll find it. Like he was resentful of like, of course the Keaton movie shut down so this cow can fuck. He cast the horniest cow in Hollywood. But they just, the whole cast and crew just waited in the desert for like a week until the cow came back and was like chain smoking. Because he's been building this relationship <laughs> with this cow for out. months. Yeah. That's, I mean. 
I mean, I get it. I love it. I love it. I, I, I did not. <laughs> I didn't either. It's so funny. That rocks. There is, I mean, I feel like uh, Buster Keaton pulls off successfully what m- many people on dating apps are trying to do with, like, by leading with a picture of them and their dog. Yes. You know, they're trying to be like, I can I can build something right. here. I'm and right. like, well, yes. Right. That's not even empathy. your dog, but, and right. I can tell. Yes, and anyone um, can do that. You see, yes. you see a friendless man walking around with a brown-eyed oh. cow. You're like, there's something going on here. Yeah, there's a lot of friendlesses wandering, but not everyone has, you know, the connection with the no. brown eyes. No. So here's just set up for this movie. This guy's name is Friendless. Mm-hmm. He has no direction in life. <laughs> He's a drifter. Yes. He's got a picture of his mother. Right. It's about it. He, he tries going to New York. He gets trampled. I do like that. It's just five minutes of him being like, the big city is too big for me. It's such a too east. It's such a good reveal, too, of you see like crowded hubbub New York City street, and then they cut in closer and you realize he's underneath all the people. (laughs) It's funny. It's good. And Um, so he's like, enough of this. He sees this sort of vision of the statue pointing to go west. Right. He sells his whole life. He sells everything. For just a big salami. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's such a good. (laughs) It might be a really good salami. I guess. But it's everything. Biggest fucking salami I've ever seen just wrapped up, right? Yeah. In like wax paper or whatever. And you see the passage of time is conveyed only in how much salami he has left. Right. As he's riding the rails and the salami's going down and things are really dire. And he gets off. And then the movie goes. Yeah. Put him in some fucking chaps. And I'm like, um, immediately funny. Immediately, just putting him here on a ranch around animals. A thing I like about this movie a lot, too, I think all the other actors in this section are really good. They, they underplay mm. it greatly. They play it very straight, like they are in a traditional Western. Right. Howard Truesdale plays the owner. Yeah. But no um, one is sort of doing like pantomime jokey kind of stuff. It's like, oh, these actually look like sort of like sandblasted, you know, hard-living ranch hands. Um, and Buster doesn't belong here. Cowboys. Yes. They're cowboys. They shot, and they shot the film in real cowboy country, too, I think. Yeah. You know, there's some, you know, some gritty realism to that. I liked that Horace Greeley was the inciting <laughs> incident to this. It's just so, like he's, he sees the statue of Horace Greeley. Yes. And he's like... All right, cool. I'll go where he's pointed. Yeah. I liked, oh, man. I did a ton of research on Horace Grilly a couple of years ago because he believed in, like, talking to ghosts. Cool. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I mean, he's maybe not the best guy whose advice to take. He does believe you can talk to ghosts. But, you know, it worked out fine for he, friendless. He it, made friend. Some yeah. other Horace Grilly facts, of course. He actually coined the phrase, go west, young man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I guess so that's why statue, he's being baby. paid homage. Sure. To, right. Um, but I think of him mostly because he was the presidential candidate mm-hmm. uh, for the Liberal Republican Party in 1872. He lost to Ulysses Grant, but he died before the electoral, like he died in between the election and the inauguration. Cool. Mm-hmm. So he got zero electoral college votes. They had to yeah. instead just sort of throw him to other people. Yeah. Because they couldn't give him to a dead guy. Yeah, that's wild. And the yeah. spiritualists were trying to get in touch with him about that for Horace some time. Horace wants you to throw your votes right. to for Jim Smith. Some time. Brown eyes. He's one of those guys where, like, I, I know he was very rich and very successful, yet when you look at him, you're like, is he just, like, a homeless wizard? Like, what right. is this? He's got a very weird look. This sort of wispy hair. Yeah, well, does weirdly look like the kind of guy that Buster Keaton would listen to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then let's also remember that America did recently elect a president who is a self-proclaimed who? genius who? with bizarre hair. What are you talking and about? And incredibly normal vibes. <laughs> um... 
wonder what Buster would make of that guy. No. Yeah. Okay. So brown eyes. Um. Anyway. So he's um. Yeah. He's on the ranch. Mm-hmm. Uh. He's uh. There's a whole bit with barrels on the uh, train car, the which I kind of enjoyed. Stuff. Yeah. Um. Uh. And uh, then there's the milk uh scene, which mm-hmm. I think is really funny. And I just love the the energy of him constantly trying to earn the respect of these other men because it feels like the the woman in this picture is kind of drawn to him almost immediately. Right. But he's so obsessed with being seen as a genuine cowboy. There are all those sequences where they're all sitting around the table, like drinking and eating, and the second he sits down, they leave, you right. know? Right. Um, he's just not macho enough. It's he's almost not. like made a joke of like how, I mean, it's like she is the love interest of the movie, but there's like yeah. that big joke at the end where it's like he obviously cares more about brown eyes right. and being a cowboy yes. than about this like shoehorned in love interest. Yes. He, he he seems kind of indifferent to her. Yeah. By and large. Which um, again, I'm just like, maybe that's part of the appeal of Buster Keaton. Who knows? Really hard to get. Yeah. 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 In spite of like, he's so tired, you know? Yeah. I don't know. He is tired. He's tired he and indifferent. Tired. Sign me the fuck up. But he's so, he's so fucking good with this. Cow- Gives her a blanket. Yeah. Protects her from dogs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, but I, mean, I guess it sort of becomes like, it, it adds to his uncoolness that yes. a cow is his friend. Right. Because this is a place that, I mean, the cows have to die. He reminds me a little bit of Cody Schmidt McPhee in Power of the Dog. Right, where everyone's just kind of like, what's what, this what's guy? The Why are you making a paper flower <laughs> doing here? This is Montana, man. Yeah. I like how he's kind of like, he goes from city slicker to just being obsessed with the cow. Yes, yeah. right. He like is, is going out west with the dream of fitting the archetype of like the classic movie cowboy. And instead, he becomes this weird cow freak. <laughs> I really, I, I feel like the strongest, I mean, I really strongly emotionally responded to when he tenderly removed the rock from her, from yeah. Brown Eyes' hoof. I was like, what? Oh, I loved it. They did a, cl- I, they did a close up in spite of the rules. No, but, but you had like, to see it. That's him knowing, like, when is it, like, super in fact impactful to cut in close? Yeah. And it works. Yeah. Ugh. There's that saying from this time of like uh, uh, drama happens in a close-up, comedy happens in a wide shot. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it's like he's cutting into the rock from the hook because that's drama. It is. That's the saddest moment in the movie. There's also like a little romantic theme that will play when Brown Eyes is on screen sometimes. There's like a little like it just gets – it's the most romantic the mov- the music got to me Yes, was when they're together. What's with the music is sort of it's hard to know what the actual music was for these there movies, is right? No There's lots actual of actual music. I found a copy of Seven Chances on YouTube, yes, mm-hmm. when I was checking for something, yes, and it had a techno score, yes. Someone wow. had put like electronic music over, yes. It. Wow. I guess you can do anything. There was that's no a cool yes. guy who did that, who did that, yeah, that's a cool guy. There yeah. was no definitive like score intended right. for these movies at the time. I, I, I maybe someone will would correct there me be on a guy with a piano, yeah. Right. I guess yeah. that'd be a fun job. And now like, it's oh, this like, scene seems like, uh, duh, 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 duh. like let's you know, go up. Like sure. basically if you're watching it online through like legal means, renting, buying physical media, streaming yes. services, whatever, you're almost always seeing, uh, what is it? They're basically the two different restorations. One of them is, I think the Bologna Reserva- uh, restoration. One of them's lobster films. And Kino releases one of them, and Coin Media releases the other one. I'm sorry, you blew through that like it was regular. I'm sorry. (laughs) What is the difference between the uh, well? It's just because these things about like forty dollars a pound. (laughs) Okay, okay, what? What? Five comedy points. Um, 
No, these movies are all public domain. So the only things that copyrights exist for are specific restorations and scores. Got it. And so you basically have two different like art house media companies that have bought the rights to different European years long do the whole catalog restoration. And they all they both have piano guys with big mustaches Correct. who are like, this is my score. And this is the baloney score. I'm- <laughs> yes. Right. And then yes. None and, of that lobster business. And then some of the, like the public domain ones that float around YouTube. Because I was looking for copies and some of them are like a really high quality YouTube upload, but it's silent. Right. Yeah. And you're like, oh, there must have been a copyright over the music, oh. right? DMCA yeah, yeah, yeah. claim or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like when you get a weird TikTok that's silent, right? Like, oh, whatever this was, is, right? Is and then the ones that are on sure, YouTube are basically like complete, like royalty-free. Someone was just like, I don't know, here's like some fucking thing. Mm-hmm. But it does make these films interesting to watch because your experience can vary wildly based on the quality of the restoration and especially the music. Mm. The cut I watched, uh, whoever was scoring it clearly thought that, you know, Buster Keaton and uh, Brown Eyes were very much in love. It worked for me. Correct. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yeah, well, Brown Eyes is in trouble Mm -hmm. uh, throughout this movie because uh, she is due for the slaughterhouse. Her milk is dust, so they're Uh, going to chop her up. She's in the trenches. It's a rough life, okay? <laughs> Being a brown cow in Arizona. She's got the old dusty tip problem. She's... <laughs> um, and uh, so then what do we have? We have the, um, the the card game, which I really like, with the tiny gun on the well, string. Yes, but also what's the great bit here? The great bit is... This is basically referencing a thing from a popular movie of the time. Uh-huh. Hold on, this is in the dossier. But there was some other Western where the, the bit... The Heart of Maryland. Yes. Um, and oh, do you want me to read what the bit is? Okay, yes. two guys are playing Western? cards. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, Maryland was the Wild West back then. No. no. Uh, one guy calls the other a name. He takes out his six shooter and lays it on the table. And yes. says, when you, when you call me that smile. Um, and uh, Buster, of course, doesn't smile in his movies. Right. So we thought if he did that to an audience the audience would be like, oh no, Buster can't smile. Right. He's going to die. This is a reference that everyone will get from a popular movie that came out recently. Right. And if you put this character in that exact same situation with the same tee up, suddenly their life and death stakes because here's the guy who's incapable of smiling. But I also think it's like the whole setup of the scene is like, everyone talks about Buster Keaton's deadpan, right? Here's a guy who basically has a perpetual poker face yes. in the face of danger. Put him in a dangerous poker game. He becomes so inscrutable that it drives everyone else insane. They become furious at him. It is the one scene where he almost becomes high status. Right. Because people are so enraged by not being able to read him. And him physically trying to force a smile on his face. So good. Because he can't do it. And and when this movie came out at the time, he was like, oh, no, they're so worried for me. They're not laughing. Right, right. It's that actually too stressful. No one felt it as a comedic premise. They were like, he's going to die. He can't laugh. He can't smile. Wow. Yeah. But I think it's really funny. I think that's great. Yeah. 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 I also I, think the tiny gun on the string is funny. I think yes. tiny guns are funny. Oh, I mean, the baby gun, he keeps trying to shake it out yeah. of his thing. I, I, I do like hearing um, what his reactions to, because it's like not even stuff that registered for me, but you're no. like, oh yeah, if you came up in vaudeville, you're like, oh, my goal is for people to be laughing hysterically Constantly. for hours and, and without stopping do a lot of test screenings and recut yeah. things and do reshoots like he That's was awesome. like working his shit like fucking judd apatow recording the audience and then syncing up the laughs or whatever mm-hmm. i'm making up that part right but <laughs> um 
Yes. No, it's it's also just so funny to think about, like, yeah, this feels like the movie where he's starting to understand, oh, the Buster Keaton persona is so well established in the public's mind that I can riff on it, where they start to fill in the jokes themselves of going like, well, if you put Buster Keaton on a ranch, this is what would happen. Right. I, I don't have to sell any higher concept than that. What else happens? Uh, I mean, this. much they like Seven Chances, this movie amounts to an extended chase scene where the bulls right. chase him through the streets. A lot of business with a bandana. Yes. Uh, you know, stampede of a thousand steers. Mm-hmm. Um, what else happens? I uh, like the cop escalation joke where one cop comes in and is like, there's 500 steer out there. And then it eventually reaches a million. You're like, all right, I'm laughing. Right. It's great. Uh, he dresses up as a devil, of course. <laughs> oh, which I, yes. I really like that because I also think, like, it's a black and white movie. Yes. He's got to find something red. Yes. The whole audience is going to get that this costume is yeah. red, right? Yeah, no, it's really clever. And he yeah. looks funny in it. He does. He's a little stinker. He's a little He's stinker. He's the best. And that you know, is, like, the, the little stinkiest he gets out of these two movies for me is running I, around a little devil. He looks absolutely. like the one in Cow and Chicken. He <laughs> is an adorable little devil. He does look like the devil from Cow and Chicken, mm-hmm. who I have not thought about in no. a while. His tush. He bounced around on his little butt. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the le- That outfit was also my brother's first ever Halloween costume. Really? Nice. He's very cute. Little stinker. Little devil. But yeah, yeah, the um, cops, there's the whole thing with the hoses, mm-hmm. which is pretty fun. There's less, I mean, the stampede is impressive, but there is less sort of like one incredible set piece no. that your like, mind is blown by. No, I think I do like he does though is shit like the barber shop where it's like he's acknowledging the larger reality of it's not just that this many bulls are chasing after him this would affect all surrounding areas <laughs> they're like interfering with other businesses you know right yeah um, i definitely yeah. preferred that I, I was more nervous for the stampede of steer than um but they're scary than rocks or uh, brides. Yeah. So just like, right. And you're also just like, these are real. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, these are really, I mean, someone, I'm sure someone did get hurt, but you know, that's fine. Yeah. Pro- it's pro- allowed. Probably. It's allowed. True. It's fine. Uh, people got hurt back then. And now everyone who was in that movie is dead. Well, uh, this as is, you mentioned, yes, they're all yes. the babies. They, everyone is dead. Yes. Except maybe brown eyes. Maybe she's still kicking. I like the to immortal think she's cow. around there. Maybe she was in first cow. Here's the quote that's bizarre, right? Mm -hmm. So his thing is like, I'll wear the red suit. I'll get on set in front of these guys and they will chase after me. And my job is just to let them get really close without actually hurting me. Right? But the comedy will write itself, basically. I put on that suit. I thought I'd get a funny chase sequence, have the cows get a little too close to me, get scared. Then really put on speed trying to get away from them. Like, just do it for real. Right. But I couldn't do it with steers. Steers wouldn't chase me. I actually ran and had cowboys pushing them as fast as they could go. And I fell down in front of them and let them get within 10 feet of me before I got to my feet. But as I moved, they stopped too. He couldn't get them to chase him for real. They piled up on each other. They didn't mind a stampede at all, but they wouldn't come near me. Well, that kind of hurt when you think that's going to be your big finish chase sequence. We had to trick it from all angles. Interesting. So I think it does speak to like, he thought like, well, I'll just fucking let nature run its course. Yeah. And maybe didn't plan this out as well as he did the end of Seven Chances. Right. It doesn't quite mm-hmm. feel seamless. No, because I think he was like, the, the bits will come to me. I don't need to fucking write gags here. Yeah. And the stakes will be real. And they could not get them to fucking chase him even in the little devil suit. Maybe Brown Eyes was just looking out. She didn't Maybe. know. She didn't know she was she fucking with like, the movie. Like, he's the star of the picture. He's top of the call sheet. He if gave he gets me a hurt, week off to have sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't hurt him. I would just, I want that 
Yes. To, I want to read that on deadline soon. You want to hear that that actor, happened on Aquaman 2. Exactly. It's just like, I'm too horny. Right. Momoa could not focus. I need a week. They I gave need a him week. a week. Right. Yeah. And and they're like, yeah, no, of course, of course, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jason, yeah, Jason, Jason, do whatever you need. Yeah. Go shake it out. Yeah, I'm in a heat. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just love it. Uh, do you want to play the box office game four? Go west. This one is... You might get some. Okay. Okay. Because these movies I've heard of. Interesting. Number one. This number movie one. is opening number five okay. at the box office. And it was a success. It made $600,000. Okay. Um, it's opening to 50 grand. A little less than seven chances. Okay. Number one at the box office. This must have hurt, by the way. There's the review that JJ pulled up from uh, Carl Sandburg. Yeah. Um, poet. Yes. Oh. Uh, although the theater is at times explosive with hearty guffaws, Go West may not be the funniest thing that Sourface Buster has ever done, but it is by far the most enjoyable bit of humor this writer has seen from the Keaton Fun Factory. Final line, this comedian comes close to the Chaplin-esque in his serious comedy. <gasps> that must have fucking stung. Uh, uh, that is tough to get Sam body by Sandberg like that. But also to throw out Chaplin-esque is like, I'm giving you a compliment well, and he's a contemporary. Well... Yeah. Who's number one at the box office right now? Charles Chaplin. And what's the film? 1925 silent comedy starring Charlie Chaplin. Would this be The Gold Rush? It's The Gold Rush. Hey, man. look at that one. Look at that. Oh, that's the one with the potato shoes, yes. right? Yes, the little dance. Just the little it's dance. It's good. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Yeah. The problem is he did fuck those potatoes off there. <laughs> Uh, the gold rush is crushing it. Yeah. Um, gold crushing. It. It's made almost a million smackers. Jesus. A lot of Western. Uh, yeah. The themes. Yes. Avengers End Game of its time. Yeah. It is true. It's also a prospecting movie. It's yeah. just right. gold. Obviously not. A you're also you're getting to the meta westerns. You're getting to the western tropes are so well established that people can riff on them now and mock them. Um, Number two at the box office. Now you may not know this one, but it mm. stars a very famous uh, female. Star. Uh, comedy um, star, drama star, verse, verse. She verse. I would call this sort of a dramedy. A dramedy. Uh, she is one of the founders of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences and United Artists. Is it Mary? Mary Pickford, Pickford considered okay. one of the most recognizable actors in yeah. history. Yep. Uh, this film uh, sees her playing um, a girl. I'm like Mary Pickford. A ragamuffin, okay. if you will. Yes. Uh, with a cute name. I'm going to guess it's called Little Ragamuffin. <laughs> you are close. It's called Little Annie Rooney. Okay. She's an Irish girl living oh, in I've New York slums. Yes. yes. Wow. Yes. Uh, this movie is 95 minutes long. Mm. It's a, an epic. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the longest film ever made. Uh, and, uh, you know, Mary Pickford, you know, sure. big star. Yeah, I don't huge. know. She yeah. was the princess of the Bowery. Mm. I just love all that stuff. Yeah, ragamuffins. ragamuffins. Ben, you love a ragamuffin. All right. I do. I've, I think I've said this before on the show, but like fucking vocabulary quizzes when I was in middle school and they give us this workbook with like 30 new words we had to learn each week. You have to write them down on note cards and use sample sentences and all this stuff. And I hated it. It was like the most tedious fucking thing. And I remember sitting at the family dinner table working on this and just blowing up and being like, what am I even doing here, mom? When am I ever going to use the word ragamuffin in my life? Ooh. And I use it once a week now. I think it's <laughs> the funniest word. It is forever burned in my brain. I am so happy I know it. And it's the one I made an example out How of. How about instead of sweetheart, call, 
calling my little ragamuffin. It can be a little ragamuffin. It can be a little condescending. Oh, you think so? Yeah, that's true. It's technically pejorative. Yeah, but you know, it depends on the ragamuffin. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Number four, number at the box office. Now, this film stars Adolphe Menjou. Mm. You would know yes. because he is in Paths, Paths of, of Glory, Glory and uh, he's in Gigi or yes. is it Gigi or something else? No. So, yeah. You know, he's, he was like, uh, he, he played a fancy guy in, in, fancy uh, in more modern movies, yes. right? Yes. Um, and, uh, but this is him as a young man. Okay. He's playing a king hmm. from another fake country, Mulvania. Ooh. Okay. Uh, who comes to conduct business uh, and then ends up in Coney Island and meets a cute lady. <gasps> this sounds And great. then they, they have a whole romance. This is like fucking original coming to America? Yeah, exactly. That's who what it is. It? It's original coming That's to nice. America. It's directed by someone called Monta Bell. Okay. I wonder if this takes place when they still had the brothel that looked like an elephant oh, on Coney Island. That why did Boy, we ever get rid of? If you go to one place for one day, it would be there, but Jamie, only for like ten minutes. Jamie, let's bring it back. Let's bring let's it back. Bring it was it called back. the Elephantine Colossus. I yes. love People that are fucking thing. in that elephant. Yes. I love and now Joey Chestnut, that's his stomping grounds. It's great. Hey. Okay. Um yeah, have we talked enough about hot dogs on this? But maybe we're gonna get back to it after this. I have some things I want to say. Uh, all right. The film is called the film is called. Oh, okay. Uh, you don't have to guess. If you it's don't want it's to. called a, a King in Coney Island. Very close. It's called The King on Main Street. Okay. Wow. Love that. Uh, I'm getting closer. Most interesting thing about this film: it has Bessie Love, the female lead, mm. uh, does the Charleston oh. on screen, and it made the Charleston the hot dance. Wow. What's the Charleston? It's a very complicated dance. It it does it, this, it? you know. Uh-huh. It was the biggest part thing. of it. It was a fucking phenomenon. It was. Wow. It's hot stuff. Yeah. What do you think of the Charleston? I'm a fan. Rules. Who, I'm who a doesn't fan. Love the I love the dance. I love the chew. Mm. Chew's good. Yeah. All right. Now number five. Uh, number four. Number five is uh, go west. Number four, okay. however, stars another silent comedy star. We've got mm. Chaplin in this top five. Is We've it a Harold Keaton. Lloyd? It's a Harold Lloyd film. Okay. I think it's one of his most famous films. Is it The Freshman? It's the freshman. Look at that. You got yeah. two out of five on this one. And one of them is Go West. So really, yeah. you got three out of yeah. five. Yeah. Uh, Harold Lloyd, he's a freshman, right? Yeah. He's going to university. Uh huh. I don't know what happens in the freshman. I haven't seen the freshman. Have you yeah. seen it? Yeah. And then uh, Preston Sturgis did a sequel. That was one of Preston Sturgis' last films. Really? Yeah. He did a years later legacy sequel. Are you serious? Yeah. What's it called? I've never seen it. Uh, what's the it sophomore. called? It's not called. It's called the, the sins sin of Harold Diddybrook or whatever. The sin of oh, Harold Diddlebrock. Diddlebrock. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't fucking know. Uh, don't make me say these words aloud. Yeah, twenty years <laughs> after his triumphs as a freshman on the football field, he's now a mild still with Harold clerk. Lloyd. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's, uh, that's the box office game. So let's well, go west. Uh, what a great time we've had. Incredible talking about these movies. Um, what were your hot dog thoughts, Jamie? Yeah, what's going on? You got Raw Dog coming out, your hot dog book. Yes. The definitive hot dog book. This is now going to become the definitive text on hot dogs in America. If so, there's a guy named Bruce that's going to be real mad at me. Well, Bruce really? can go fuck himself. Yeah. That's what I'll say. <laughs> uh, which, uh, just to be clear, it's a book where you're, it's nonfiction, but it's also, there's, you're in it, right? There's I'm, there's a lot of Jamie in this book. You're traveling a, across the country. Yeah, it's like, a, there. there's, uh, I drove for uh, my ex and I drove from LA to uh, Boston and then back in a different direction uh, tried hot dogs all over the place mm-hmm. and then there's also chapters on history of meat production there's a lot about Joey Chestnut okay, and right. professional hot dog eating there's uh, I, I, I sort of followed the Wienermobile around for a while I went to a place called called Hot Dog University which got cut from the book so you'll 
just have to ask me. But yeah, there's a sure. lot, of, lot of hot dog stuff. My, when I was in high school, my father became deeply entrenched in the world surrounding the IFOCE, the International Federation of Competitive Eating. Oh, you don't got to tell me. I know. I'm just telling you for the listener. Uh-huh. Uh, those guys Which were around. Which also now be called Major League Eating. Yes. Yes. George the Shea Brothers. Right. Oh, yes. All of these people were around a lot. Not the highest level, but like uh, a Badlands Booker, now mostly known as Badlands oh Chugs. Incredible. I believe, I don't remember if it was during a... Uh, a 4th of July hot dog eating competition it was a different competition. Mm -hmm. but my sister, who was like five or six at the time, gave him like a bracelet that she made out of like some like klutz jewelry kit mm -hmm. that he wore at like his next four matches. My dad just got all in on this fucking thing and would hang out with How these guys How did he get the into time. the community? They're so impenetrable. He had a friend who was friends <laughs> with... Um, Someone who clearly tried to penetrate <laughs> yes. this community. Are you yeah. familiar with Crazy Legs Conti? Oh, oh, yes. That because was he end. legally changed his name yes. to Crazy Legs Conti. Yes. And Crazy Legs Conti huh. was like an East Village weirdo staple, okay, which I, I grew up in the village. That scans. Oh, wow. And Conti was the bridge through a friend of Conti's. And then my dad just got so into all of this fucking shit. It's pretty incredible. Yes. And the Shea brothers are like pretty evil. Yes. Well, that was kind of the thing was it, there was my dad was sort of like, why has no one figured out how to like scale this and make this work? Mm -hmm. This should work. And like this is at a period of time where there's shit like battle bots blowing up on TV. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And why can't you make right. that money? Off and of you this? were like, make the only thing ESPN. that gets coverage is right. the hot dog eating competition. Thank they you. basically have two officially sanctioned events per month. Mm -hmm. at least, this was like 20 years ago. This is like 2003, 2004 was like the peak of his- Still like Kobayashi adjacency. era. That was yeah. the thing. And Kobayashi yeah. was like a, a phenomenon. Oh, he's and amazing. you would look and you're like, all these supporting characters are fascinating. All these guys have like really good guinea. Sonia Thomas. Oh my God. Who they called the Black Widow. Do you know about Sonia Thomas, David? She no. She's I don't know. What, what, oh, oh, she's like, I think, my favorite person in the hot dog yes. eating. Did you get to meet her? I met, like, almost all of these people. You got to meet the Black Widow. Yeah, oh, like my Joey, God. I, I, uh, I never met Kobayashi because he would just fly in for the one event. Right. He was Kobayashi kind of is somewhat mysterious. Him, I obviously know. Yes. He's somewhat mysterious, right? And he's, he really pioneered the the splitting, the dunk in the water, the sort of, the methods. Oh, he's everyone. I feel like, I'm like, every single person, including the Black Widow and Joey Chestnut, just started doing professional eating because they saw Kobayashi on TV. And, like, just, he was, like, the blueprint. He's so amazing. I, Did you see the 30 for 30 about it? No. Oh, it's really good. I may be misremembering this a little bit, but I forget what the, 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 the Shea brothers, their main jobs, they would travel. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say they were traveling salesmen, but they were like something. Sonia Thomas was a black widow was like a woman in her like 20s who was like five foot one right. and like I'm 100 pounds. Yes. She managed a She's Burger Korean. King on a, on a naval base. Yes. So it was like, yeah. And then there was a period of time where she was a truck driver, I believe. And one of the Shea brothers was traveling, stopped at a road stop like diner. And she was there with like 18 plates scarfing them down. And he was like, who are you? What's your story? And she's like, well, I drive and I don't want to take breaks. So I just have one meal every 18 hours. Oh, my God. And I eat all of this. And he was like, you're a star. <laughs> Most people would be like, I'm calling the right. hospital. Right. <laughs> right. But she was fascinating. And she was just like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess my stomach's just like this. Wow. I wonder if that, oh, the Shea Brothers are such liars. I hope that happened. 
I, mean, I, I do too. I believe them as far as I can throw them. And I could throw them really far. It was incredible. They're not very big. No, no. <laughs> and they sort of would dress like Buster Keaton. They'd have like a little yes. waistcoat and a fucking oh, straw little, boater hat yeah. and shit. Yeah. Right. They kind of have an... A sort of P.T. Barnum exploitative energy. There, is that what you're saying? Yes. George Shea especially. Richard Shea is kind of a, a mystery to me because I really like his color commentary on yes. ESPN every year because he's like really into like women indie stars. Sure. Like last year he was like, oh man, I just saw Phoebe Bridgers in Prospect, Prospect Park over. And you're like, really? This guy? But um, I thought you meant uh, female indie eaters. No, like there was the, the, the outskirts, the AEW of professional eating that he was following. Right. No, right. It's, he just loves or at least he makes a point to mention it. I don't know. Like he he two years ago when I was there, he was talking about he's like Nicki Minaj's career <laughs> is on the resurgence. And I was like, mm, what is mm. your deal? It, it's just funny that they're kind of like failed Vince McMahon's. Exactly. Which is like because George Shea's wife wrote for the WWE and soap operas. And that's so clearly what it's mapped on. It's like, it's a mix of that, but with right. regular people. But they never totally cracked it. Ugh, no, because no. they're regular people. I don't know. That's what I loved about it, though. I yeah. love the idea that, that it's like, this is like a blue-collar sport. Yeah. And like, Badlands Booker at the time was like, the fucking operating like the seven train. Yeah. And then it was like one weekend a month, these guys go and they're fucking rock stars and they shove a thousand pickles into their mouth and then they go back to their job. That, the second place guy, I'm trying to get him to come to my book event in Boston. The second, the guy who, it's so funny because he seems so sweet. He's a school teacher in Massachusetts. He comes, he's the guy who comes second to Joey Chestnut right now. Okay. And Joey's What's his doing, name? Uh, oh God, his name is uh, Jeffrey Esper. Mm. Um it seems like it's going to take a turn, but, th but then it doesn't. Okay. Uh, Jeffrey Esper, he's a school teacher in Massachusetts, comes second to Joey every single year. And it's so funny because he's so sweet and so mild-mannered, works his job all year. But then when he comes out, he's so clearly the heel of the situation where it's like everyone's booing this 55-year-old school teacher because yeah. <laughs> he's not Joey Chestnut. Yeah. And yeah. it's fucking awesome. It's like so great. I, I really I like mean, him. He's got to get interchange. You, I'm you were, looking at this. You were talking about on the Doughboys episode that you kind of feel like the Shea brothers like sandbagged Kobayashi because they wanted like a white American champion and that kind of pushed Joey Chestnut into the position. They said that. I mean, like George Shea has said that. And that's, uh, that's I highly recommend. And Kobayashi also like came from outside of their league. Like they didn't have control over him. He what? would just fly in once a year and fucking win their thing. But it's like, but the only reason, so that that I, I love the thirty for thirty so much because it contextualizes it so well. Where like pro, like the Shea brothers had been failing to make the uh, the hot dog eating contest take off in the U.S. in any meaningful way right. for years at that point, and it wasn't until. Kobayashi came from Japan where there was like well-organized eating contests and it was televised and yeah. it was like pretty successful. And once he came over and people saw like this like very like strong, compact like guy who could do laps around And had this like that, wild technical strategy. They were like, he's like gaming this in a way that no one else is. Yeah. And it's like, it wasn't the Shea brothers, like they didn't orchestrate that. They just directly benefited it from it. Right. And then all these eaters were inspired by Kobayashi. The only, like, Joey Chestnut, um, who I have such a soft spot for. I love yeah. him so much. Um, he, like, saw this Spike TV broadcast of Kobayashi facing off against a bear. Okay, And cool. losing. And then being like, okay, so he's fallible. Sure. Like, I could, and, like, that, like and then it becomes his life mission. actual bear, like, was being fed hot dogs or... Um, a grizzly bear and Kobayashi. There's a video of it. They <laughs> they competed on TV in Amazing. like 2005. Yeah. 
And Kobayashi lost, and he's a great performer, so he's devastated. It's so funny. But it was also that thing where, like, Kobayashi seemed untouchable for so long where you were like, This bear is eating these. (laughs) I am really into this bear. (laughs) Got a bigger mouth and a bigger belly. Weirdly, also, the bear has, like, an American flag behind him. And I'm like, I guess we can claim the bear, but, like... But it's came from the American woods. I mean, like George Shea especially is so nationalistic. And so then when when Joey Chestnut came in and was genuinely good, then he was like, oh, great. Now I can push the white American champion and kind of screw Kobayashi over in the process. You had this thing for years where like Kobayashi was so far ahead of everyone else. But also, even though the gap was huge between one and two, when he entered, everyone else got better. Yes. Like the numbers went up for everybody Mm because it was suddenly like he was Jesse Owens. Like the barrier had been broken. And he's demonstrating all these techniques that people can copy. Right. 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 And then, yeah, Chestnut was the first guy to basically be like, I can go toe to toe with you. And then since he took over, there was something about Kobayashi where he like felt like a superhero. Yeah. And Joey Chestnut just. showman too. And Joey is amazing, but he's not the showman. No. And it just feels like, well, now there's no tension left to this. He wins every year. Like, has it ever been close? So there is, okay, this is a fun, sad thing uh, where Joey has been beat once. I, I, it's very kind of like a jokerifying thing for him. (laughs) I think that happens where he beats Kobayashi. It's very, controversial because they're they, they were so close kobayashi famously ate a hot dog he had just thrown up into his hand was this the first time he was going to finally be kobayashi yes okay and, is, and then eventually joey does yeah when kobayashi is edged out of the league it's a lot of the focus on the 30 for 30 where kobayashi was in such a horrible contract with the shays that they were basically icing him out so he couldn't compete anywhere else he's trying to get out of the contract and they're like well if you get out of the contract you can never compete again so he's, you know, Tanya Harding's out of the yeah. situation. Yeah, I hate to see Fuck that. that. And yeah. then in 2010, I had, like, it's, he's, he's such a good showman. He shows up to the contest where he's no longer allowed to compete in a shirt that says Free Kobe. Wow. He goes up on stage during the contest and George Shea has him arrested on television. What? How it did is I fucking, fucking miss this? nuts. Like, because this uh, is this remains niche. It's I know. Like, this is the thing you're talking about. It won't break out of this weird but world. But there were four years of my life where no, this was the was, most omnipresent thing in our was living. Indeed, world. arrested. Amazing. Yes. Uh, looks like uh, I have a free Kobe shirt. Cool. As you They're should. Great. Um. Right. As I mean, whatever. They didn't press charges. Right. They just kind of. I mean, got it was totally a right. show arrest. Yes. But, yes. Yeah. So so Joey wins for a while and then. There is, I think it's 2014, he's like cocky to the point where he uh, proposes to his girlfriend at the contest on TV. Fuck, man. And she's also his trainer, question mark, unclear what that means. But she says yes, and it's like, ah, the king and now the hot dog queen, Uh right? Then the Which you're jealous, right? And I was like, not not of getting to marry him, but of having the title hot dog queen. But also kind of getting to marry him. <laughs> okay. And so you're like, mm, that could be me. It's sure, not sure. yet, and that's fine. Uh, but she's cute. She's intense. Nestle Ricasa. And I turn, so turn the I turn the David. Let me see. Turn the laptop around. I don't know. This oh, is what's yeah, coming yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead. Uh, but then between 2014 and 15, they were supposed to get married a few weeks before the contest in 2015. Okay. She calls off the wedding. And and because it's such a uh, like campy, exploitative kind of narration style, yeah. they mention it 
constantly yeah. during the 2015 contest as it's happening. To try to build in the emotional stakes of this is a man scorned. Richard, yeah, Richard sure. Shea is really doing the WWE hmm. thing, but he's like, uh, for Joey Chestnut, you know, he's not getting married. He's back to flirting with the girls at Panera Bread, but wow. seems like he might get it, but he loses. Um, okay. Seemingly out of despair. He, he has loses. the heartbreak here. Yeah. Um, and a guy named Matt Stoney, who's like a famous eating YouTuber who I don't think competes anymore, but, uh, he wins. And then between 2015 and 2016, Joey Chestnut goes Joker mode. And he like comes back in 2016, like doing 15 hot dogs better and never loses again. Yeah. So yeah. He gives up on love. But he, but then he gains the super human ability, and they never got back together. Up. They didn't. He appears to be dating someone now, which unfortunately I know because I check. Of course, yeah, no, of course. <laughs> just to know. Yeah, yeah, uh, but, I too would check. But look, yeah. but look, you you may still claim the title Queen of the Hot Dogs when this book comes out. There's hope for me yet. There's hope. I you found an alternate. You're path. the Queen of Hot Dogs. To Let's me, call it, Jamie. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, Jamie, Queen of Hot Dogs, Loftus. I think. Wait, when is the book out? What is the exact date? Uh, May twenty third. So the book is out in two days. Yeah, baby. Woo! We timed this perfectly. We timed it perfectly. Yes. And it, it timed it so well that you were here in New York and you actually got to do it in person. This I was know. this was so awesome. Yes. I'm so excited. And you got to see um, Blank Chick Studios. Drink it in. Yeah. It's really, I had um I had Pandora Flakes and everything. Yeah. That's right. It was great. And see, Ben, that's why we don't throw out the Pandora Flakes because sometimes our guests want them. Okay. Sometimes your guest is feeling a little peckish. Yeah. Sometimes. It um, and, chemicals. Yeah. And you got free chemicals. I got yeah. free. I love oh, getting man. free chemicals from yep. my friends. That's good. Uh, everyone should buy Raw Dog. Uh, yep. Listen to Bechtel Cast. Yep. And you're Anything on else? tour with uh, You're Wrong About yeah. doing a bunch of shows. Yeah. yeah. You're doing I'll be some, on a book tour as well. Right. You're doing some right, yeah. hot dog toast. But you're you're shows. one of the best in the biz. And people just shows. follow everything you do. There's There will be a link to get the book in the description of this episode. Cool. Yeah. Great. Great. I don't know why we seem deflated about this. Like, that's <laughs> oh, no, great. I just, I just, was, no, no, Griff I and I suddenly it. are like, great. Ben said it, and I was just like, how do we do that? And should we have been doing that in the past? <laughs> it's easy. Just, we have been doing it. We do. It. Okay. Do okay. It. Make a little hyperlink. Okay. It's easy. You know, it's a code. You yeah. Know, Sometimes code. it's blue. It's blue. And it turns purple. Then you click it and perp. perp. I know it's not my job, but I just suddenly went into this motive. If that were assigned to me, would I know oh. how to do this? <laughs> Griff, if your job was writing the copy for the episode oh. description yeah. all these years, oh. Lord knows what would have yeah. happened. I'd still be working on Shyamalan episodes. <laughs> yes. I'm almost done. Thank you for being here, Jamie. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, and thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty for our social media and helping to produce the show. Thank you to Joe Bowen, Pat Reynolds for our artwork, Lane Montgomery and the Great American Novel for our theme song, uh, AJ McKeon, Alex Barron for mm -hmm. our editing, JJ Burtz for our research, giving us some nice tight dossiers. Love these tight they're dossiers. They're dense, full of good info, but they're... They're, They're short, JJ. JJ you hear me? Tight. We like how short they we are. We love how <laughs> short they are. We can read them on the subway. Mm -hmm. um, tune in next week for next The week General and Battling Butler. Is Battling Butler and the General. Battling mm -hmm. Butler. What a fucking good title. This Butler battles. And also, what if there were a general? Yep. Uh, you can go to blankcheckpod.com for links to some real nerdy shit, including Blank Check special features, a Patreon show where we do film series and other bonus things. Uh, we've just done an episode on Buster Keaton shorts. We picked out a bunch of Buster Keaton shorts and did them with our buddy Dana Steven. That's a really fun 
episode, and we're also doing the Planet of the Apes movies, the classic Apes movies. We're going ape. We are going ape. David? Yep. We're going ape. We're going ape. Um, I want to go to a nearby hot dog restaurant with Jamie right now because I'm so fucking hungry. We walked past it on the way here. And And you've not tried this place before, right? No, but I've heard so many good things. Yeah, let's go over there because I want a fucking dog. Yep. Um, All right, let's all get dogs. Yeah, and as always, we're all about to eat fucking hot dogs. Such a wholesome ending.